Hey, Spit and Chicklets listeners, you can find every episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Oh, should we start this show? Yeah, I'm down. Just buying a car in Carvana first. Oh, for real? Yeah, it's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do is answer a few questions. Ooh, that's helpful. And now just customizing my down and monthly payments. Ooh, that's a very fair deal. Yep. Boom. Just bought a car. And you get to take me to the Carvana vending machine in a couple days to pick it up. Ooh. I'm kind of busy. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. Should we start this show? Yeah, I'm down. Just buying a car in Carvana first. Ooh, for real? Yeah, it's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do is answer a few questions. Ooh, that's helpful. And now just customizing my down and monthly payments. Ooh, that's a very fair deal. Yep. Boom. Just bought a car. And you get to take me to the Carvana vending machine in a couple days to pick it up. Ooh. I'm kind of busy. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. We're a few days into the postseason and enjoying the relatively new phenomenon of watching the Cups travels online and all the shit-faced hockey players alongside it. We'll get to a little bit more of that in a bit. Let's say hi to the boys first. Mikey Grinelli, you've had a wild 24 hours. What's going on, my man? Yeah, what's up, guys? Uh, fresh off a 24-hour trip to Vegas, so uh, I'm sure we'll get into that. But, uh, yeah, oh, you think? You think? In the craziest 24 hours better. 20, yeah. Okay, so craziest 24 hours of his life. Let's throw it over to Wit or me, and then let's get back. Were you with Biz? To... Is this with Biz? No, we, we, no. we did not cross swords. I just oh, got here today, flew yeah. in. And it was uh, still your craziest. Give me a little intro, all right? Yeah, it's all. Well, next up, our boy Wit Dog. You were just in Pebble Beach. When did you get back into town, brother? I took the red eye uh, Saturday night, dude. Excuse oh. me? Oh, my God. Oh, I obviously had mint, but still, this guy was... <laughs> Dude, this guy was snoring so fucking loud next to me. I woke him up three different times. I took no, get the fuck I out didn't, of here. dude. It was, dude. I took an Ambien and I was like, I need to sleep. I'm getting back Father's Day morning. I'm like, I gotta, you know, be be like up on a boat. And this guy was sawing logs. Dude, I I tapped him. I go, hey. He's like, Ugh. I was like, I can't. You're keeping like the whole cabin awake, buddy. And then he did it again, and I woke him up again. I woke him up twice, and he was disgusted, but I was even more pissed off. So I'm like just running on fumes. <laughs> buddy, was just was sick. Could you picture waking up from a deep sleep, and Wit is looking at you with that Wit face of him being like, "Disgusted? What the fuck are you doing?" As if that guy had any idea what he was doing. But I was <laughs> on Ambien too, so like I'm I was actually on Ambien and a half because I was like I need to be knocked out and I don't sleep on plane. So I must have looked like. I'm, can look at me right now look at my hair i was like double hey, hey you take one and you hear a snoring you wake up you take another half you're still wake up you're like your next option is to just jump out of the, the lady place. behind him was awake too she was shaking her head like i was her white knight for like giving him the poke to try to get him to turn over i was like dude just turn over on your side you won't snore on your side he's like i sleep on my back oh jesus fuck <laughs> yeah, we were like talking it's like 2 40 in the morning <laughs> uh, oh my gosh this hell. has to be the best start to the podcast oh, ever and we haven't even gotten to the fact that Grinelli's been crushing everything in Vegas <laughs> can I get a fucking intro here? Last, did we win the cup? 
Whose dick do I got to suck for an intro around here? <laughs> Last but not least, uh, boy in the desert, not to be confused with Bin Nasty, who just won a cup. It's Biz Nasty, who won two, what, A called the cup. Paul Bissonette, welcome to the show, buddy. <laughs> Boys, it's been a great uh, day for me. Uh, I know Grinelli had an unbelievable day. I'm not going to bore you with mine. I, I shall bore you, bore you with it after we get Grinelli's story. But Grinelli went from fucking, what, a part-time barstool employee with rats pissing under his bed with his neighbors pissing on top of him to partying and flying on PJs and, and maybe even, I won't ruin it, let you tell a story. Yeah, boys. So uh, I will say this: I did join the Mile High Club this week. Uh, uh, yeah, it was it was a fun experience. Shout out to my guys. Uh, Look in at you all modest, like it happens all the time. Like, it was ah, a fun experience. Would you just fucking shoot under par for the first time? You fucking rat. What do you mean it's a fun experience? Okay, so bring us to the start of the night. Like, how did this all go down? All right, so my so I just met, I I know these guys. They do uh, they're DJs. They're loud luxury. Loud luxury. They're awesome. They're Canadian. Yeah. Yeah, they're huge. They're actually, they're, you know, the big up-and-coming DJs, and they were in New York Friday night, and I went out to dinner with them, and they were just like, hey, uh, you know, what are you doing tomorrow? Do you want to jump on a private jet with us and go to Vegas? What? Uh, like, I, yeah. pardon? I mean, I fly commercial, like, last seat in the middle the row exit, where they don't even recline. So I said, yeah. So I packed up my bag, and I went to the airport, and, you know, next thing you know, I'm on a private jet, and, uh, yeah, we were going to Vegas, and... Joined the Mile High Club, and uh, it was pretty cool because the stewardess came out after, and uh, she gave me a sticker that said, uh, like, welcome to the Mile High Club. So that was pretty cool. And then, and then about, like, the gongs, there's no rules at all. No rules. because Ernie Els knows. There was about an hour and a half before we landed, and she came up to me and the girl I was sitting next to, and she was like, if you guys want to go for round two, you have just enough no time. Way, dude. I swear the to God. Stewie. The Stewie. The Stewie. It was unbelievable. She had an amazing singing voice, too. Diana, she was awesome. She sang for us. But, I mean, they brought out, like, meat and cheese, vegetable, fruit. I would have been going after uh, Diana. Any, any drink favorite? I wanted. Any it was unbelievable. Favorites? So then we touched down in Vegas. Uh, and when we got to Vegas, they said that uh, the blues were going to be at the club that we were at. And, and fuck anyone who shits on me for partying with the blues in the cup because I was just doing my due diligence as the Spit and Chicklets producer to insider you know, to, to, to network, to network with the guys. And, you know, hey, Shenner, how are you? Been a long time since I've seen you. You want to come on the podcast? You're a Stanley Cup champion. Congratulations. So that happened. And then uh, so we were at Omnia. I got laid in the Omnia bathroom. So Holy! Was, so that was pretty cool. Have a um, trip, Mike. Because, so, because we were with uh, – we were with uh, – the loud luxury. So they had this like back, like a uh, private DJ's room. So like it was a VIP room. So yeah. So I got laid in there as well. And uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the kid. So let me They're ask Mike. on dust by the end. So when you were on the PJ, you would had no plans to party with the cup. You were just going on the PJ for Saturday night and not, didn't even know the cup was going to be there. Oh, I had wow. no idea oh, that the Stanley shit. cup was going to be in Las Vegas. It was wow. because the guys were just like, Hey man, like, do you want to go on a private oh, jet tomorrow? And I, I thought, honestly was like, I'll go on the private jet. And oh, right when you get there, I'll jump off and fly back. I just want to go on the private jet. I thought you were going for the blues. Cause I saw everything in order. That's so this went from crazy. about a 10 to a 20 Holy real quick shit, and out, of ten, out of 10. <laughs> Friday night. I, I, my plan was to stay in on Saturday and about at, like 5 p.m. on Saturday, I was on a private jet on my way to Vegas to party with the cop. Getting your ween sucked. Fucking Getting my awesome. ween sucked. I imagine I could see this like private jet like kind of going down and Mikey finally just like is the almost famous guy. He's like, I jerked off to Krug's quads. 
Well, hey, let me say that. The cool part was, so the guys from Loud Luxury are from Toronto. So they're huge Chicklets fans. So they think I'm way cooler than I am. They, they were like, hey, can you, send a, can you send a video to my buddies? Like saying like saying this. I was this, with them today. Yeah, they're awesome guys, man. Awesome. You got to check out their music. They just dropped a uh, collaboration with Justin Bieber and Ed Sheeran. It's unbelievable. So that's what we were out there celebrating is that the fact that, you know, they, they were out These there. These guys are uh, big time, huh? Oh, yeah. They're huge. They're huge. And, and working with Bieber and Sharon is huge. Oh, yeah. Who? That's like saying Wayne Gretzky in hockey. Exactly. Um, met them today. Great guys. Canadian boys. They went to Western University, so you know they get their peepees wet there. Uh, they're actually really, really close friends with um, um, a kid who I used to date his sister for a long time. She lives in Vancouver, so that was the connection today. Both very energetic guys. They met at, at college, and like you said, their brand's popping off now. I mean, I know that house music might not be the the, the, the style for some of our listeners, but in in their realm, they're, they're popping off. They, I mean, they played Omnia which is yeah. one of the nicest clubs, if not the nicest club in Vegas. Uh, they have a they're going back, Right, and they're going back Tuesday, and they, and they told me to come by and, like, hang out behind the DJ. I, I mean, I do. I'm a fourth-line pigeon. Like, I don't really do that shit. So I'm going to fucking join them. Uh, as you mentioned, great guys. I got to spend the day uh, with the Cup as well at the uh, Wet Republic with the boys. Um, you know, me and, Wet, uh, me and Wit went to training camp there. Scotty Upshaw, I was talking the other day. He goes, hey, I'm, I'm going to go over because I want to see the boys and, like, I want to see them experience that. And I was coming here for the NHL awards on uh, tomorrow, or I guess, uh, sorry, Monday, because this comes out tomorrow. Um, so I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to come in a day early and, and, and go shake all the guys' hands and hang out. And obviously they, they you know, embraced it and they, they let me involved, uh, let me be involved. Uh, so obviously making my rounds, ran into Bowmeister, and we didn't talk about it on the podcast. There's no real reason to. Is we were sitting in the family section in Boston at Game Two with Wit, and we met Bowmeister's brother-in-law. And Bow came over, and he's like, "Oh, sorry, man." I was like, "Fucking, we loved it." He was a huge Chicklets fan. We were getting pictures and shit. He had like the Bowmeister hat on. He had the Bowmeister jersey. He probably had a Bowmeister thong on. Obviously, <laughs> loves his brother-in-law and the fact that he plays in the show and he's a legend. And uh, he goes, oh, man, it didn't end there. He ended up coming back to St. Louis for game three. And he goes, hey, I'm going to, you know, go and enjoy the atmosphere. And he ended up, like, leaving the house at, like, 1 o'clock, apparently. And he got absolutely fucking shit-faced and ended up, like, falling downstairs and, like, scraping his face. This is, like, before puck drop. So similar to that. Right after people, we saw him? The game after we saw him? This happened. Yeah, he went to St. Louis. They were just riding the wave, eh? So this guy's from, I think he's from Edmonton. He's a huge Oilers fan. But, of course, because Bo's playing there, he's embraced them as their second team. So I thought that was funny. And, and as he was apologizing because, you know, they were asking for pictures or whatever, fuck that, man. We were, we're, if anything, right. we're intruding. And it was just great to see everyone there and, and enjoying it and just talking to them about you know what what their experience and with, with it was and larry and flowers how about him he's living his best life too larry flowers who we've brought on the podcast we told the story about he kind of implemented gloria into that locker room for how however silly reason it played out and actually those uh that the jacks nyb bar they flew out for the parade uh in, in uh into st louis and the owner of the, the Blues apparently bought them their, the charter back. No wow. shit. That's what they, they posted it today on their Instagram, which is like, man, they, think about all the crazy little storylines along this run. Like YP was on stage. Brett Hall was doing the uh, spit and memes. I need to Lion hear King. 
That yeah. might have been his best. Oh, dude, the chicklets meme. That one was, I texted you, Biz. I go, I'm laughing out loud in this town car watching this video over and over. It's, it's Brett it's Hall. Brett Hall. Raising, yeah. raising the chinchilla. <laughs> any of the guys have, like, what is going on with Brett Hall? Has Brett Hall been to sleep yet? He had three liver transplants over the last week. <laughs> That's like a, a new record, apparently. But uh, he's having a ball. Like, just, okay, so there's one. The alumni. And how many legends they have around and how important it like Kelly Chase is posting pics with it. Chris Pronger was there. The alumni sick. They had the chinchilla and YP doing his thing. They had Layla there, which another cool story, RA. Oh uh, yeah. And what what was the post you were talking about? The Tarasenko post? Oh man, Tarasenko. I mean, you know, it's funny. I've had about five or six blue Blackhawks fans tweet at me, like, stop showing these videos. I'm a I'm a Hawks fan. I'm starting to like the blues here because they've been doing such cool shit. Vladimir Tarasenko, during the parade, he stopped the hugger fan. It was a fan with special needs. He had a Tarasenko shirt, too, and over. And he gave him a big hug, and he's the, they're, like, patting each other on the back. He couldn't help, like, but feel great about it. He signed the shirt for him. Then they gave him another hug as he left. And, like I said, he gave him this pat in the back. You just get such a great feeling. Then I, I found that I read another story on Thursday. Uh, they were at that bar, OB Clocks, with kind of their hangout, I guess, all weekend. And he saw a Blues fan who uses a wheelchair down on the crowd. So big daddy Vladdy, he walked down, brought the cup through the whole crowd and held it up for the kids so he can kiss it. Oh, awesome come pictures. on. Everyone's just like, oh, my fuck. God. What's the altitude of my hotel room here? Yeah. <laughs> a little fucking teary-eyed. So Jeez, it, it, it's, it's been unreal. And I love this whole new tradition, like I was saying at the beginning, of if, like, this is like the new norm. Everybody just watches the cup online. Uh, the social media has just made it so much fun. I mean, even if you, your team didn't win it, I, I think it's still awesome to follow along. I mean, we just mentioned Brett Hull. There was one picture with Boris. He looked a little sleepy. I, I I wrote hashtag Boris needs a bump. I don't know who was the one with like Ooh, John. So they told those guys at Pebble told me that that thing's supposed to be asleep during the day. It's like <laughs> nocturnal. So that thing not the anxiety that thing is. Going. It's been getting paraded around. That thing's gonna have a panic attack at some point here. I think there was a woman in one of the celebrations, an older woman who was like, "That thing's like losing its mind right now." And I think that thing needs to go to sleep. <laughs> it's oh, been wow. a, so that poor chinchilla, Jesus! But swimming around in the Stanley Cup and being held up uh, like Simba with Brett Hull is just beyond like beyond even you couldn't even imagine that no no you can't. it's insane exactly so storyline after storyline um what was another biz, one biz, oh. sorry sorry biz any oh, of the guys ahead. not in vegas or the whole team go um some guys came in from for last night and then left and there's okay. a few guys who couldn't make it tarasenko just had a child i actually have that in my memo pad uh it, within a week's time he won a stanley cup and gave birth to as i believe his first or second child with his 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 wife so I, I i i didn't do any research behind it but nonetheless i mean that's you I mean it's tough tough to just get on a plane to go to vegas when you just have a newborn but uh everybody was having a great time they're really enjoying it obviously running out of steam just a little bit oh, yeah. it pretty hard go to the bullpen. Said, it, it was it was cool to to view it and i and and i wouldn't go near the fucking thing and in larry flowers was like why who cares and, I, and i'm like larry it's cool that you were a part of it and got to experience it and bring it like, because you started off with the glorious stuff, but you weren't a player, so you'll never understand. Like, the yeah, res- I don't. Yeah, the amount of respect I have for what those guys have been through, and the amount of adversity they've climbed through in order to achieve to lift that thing up, 
I'm not fucking going near that thing because I don't deserve it. Unless I was working for a team or um, like a family member, one one maybe I ain't lifting that thing. I didn't. I didn't deserve it. I'll say this: I don't, I don't even do know. I don't uh, even know if I'd lift it if <laughs> when the Coyotes. I might not lift it when the Coyotes could save their biz. When the Coyotes win it, I might not do it because it's. Yeah, just, you will. You will. That that. I, I mean, dude, you have yeah. to at that point. Chaser's yeah. lifting that thing. Yeah, yeah, but Chaser, would, he's a, yeah, I guess so. You know what? Sorry, I'm an alumni, so I guess it's maybe a little different. But just as like, I mean, I don't know. I wasn't out there in the trenches. So how funny How funny was it when the video came out with the boys laughing business about Sanford puking on, at, the, uh, at, the, on the, at the parade route? Oh, yeah, I asked him about That's that. That's unreal. Hacking a dart, he's like, oh, yeah, whatever. And the guy, the guy who's filming, it's like, oh, get it out. Get it out, bud. He's like, <laughs> So obviously he was out of his mind and, and not thinking clearly. Hell of a series he played, too. Oh, he was unreal. I mean, he peaked at the perfect time, great insert in the lineup. And, uh, like, I, why didn't he puke outside the car? I think he thought he was hiding front. it like no one would see it because it was inside the car, even though he it's a He could have done it in his jersey. <laughs> yeah, I love that you, there's just oh, no rules when you win. But you know what's you know what's crazier about this whole story is the fact that they went through that entire climb since January in order to battle back and win the Stanley Cup from going last place, and they still didn't have a a better weekend than Grinelli. <laughs> Grinelli, <laughs> Grinelli dude. fucked a chick in an airplane and then in a nightclub. The best, one of the best nightclubs in the world. Dude, traveling I, around with a world class DJ. Dude, how about Bennington? You talk about coming out of your shell. He's been absolutely hilarious. He's been taking over marching bands like stalking Animal House, screaming, you want some fucking emotion with Stanley Cup champions? Is that what he was saying? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He should be WWE <laughs> playing, after this. Playing drums, grabbing <laughs> instruments off band that. members. He He's took been, the mic at Omnia last night. Oh, Duh. It's been hilarious. And by the way, so, shout out YP. I know he just said it. He's having an awesome week. And this is actually a stool tradition that goes back all the way back to 2006 of people with the stool or working for the stool, partying with the cup. Uh, this guy, uh, Bon, who used to run the message board way, way back in the day, he actually is good friends with Keith the Coin. So when Keith was a uh, black ace with the Carolina Hurricanes back in 06, Bon partied on the Stanley Cup ice uh, way back 2006. So this is 13 years now of basically the stool guys uh, partying with the cup, hanging out with it. So it's good to see YP keep the tradition going. Since we're kind of in the fun conversation, I got to I got to tell a little bit of a not like a story, but just kind of like a dilemma. So um, and I just when I think of these situations, I mark them down on my notepad. So this happened a while back where I was kind of like seeing this girl a little bit, and you know. The, the the sex wasn't necessarily that great. Like she was hot and everything, but she, there there was she didn't like talking during sex. Now I don't know. I don't. I've never had anyone ask me not to talk. Have you guys ever been asked She's not like, to just talk? Just read that ad. Just read that ad while you do that. Maybe, maybe but, if but, you like saying something like the wrong thing. Yeah, you might be just shut up. Just shut up. If they're close to like coming or something, maybe. <laughs> Well, no, like I like to fucking like, like, oh, you fucking like that? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I like to fucking take a little charge. Like, you want to you choke? You want to choke? You know, you got to ask. You, gotta, you have to ask the questions. You can maybe have a mean voice when asking it, but you got to ask. So then she's like, hey, can you not talk? So it kind of killed the mood a little bit. And I'm like, fuck, man. Like, I kind of use the talking to mask my heavy breathing a little bit. I don't have a, I don't have a, a good uh, septum on the one side. So I don't breathe well through my, through my nose. So I'm kind of loud when I get going. And 
are you guys in agreement with this? Like, are, yeah, are you a talker? I'm, I'm laughing because this is hilarious. So now, now I know why people put on music when they have sex. So now I think my play is going to be like, do you want the music or do you want the heavy breathing and, and, and conversation? Tap Loud twice luck. if you want the joke. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, wait, time out. Speaking of, of, of bondage, I mean, we weren't really there yet, but we were on the, in the direction. Apparently, this is online, so this probably isn't true, but apparently Chara posted something about it, like a protein bar, and on his bed, there's like the, the shackle things yeah. where like essentially if you want no. to... I, but yeah, but I everybody was posting about it. And like, I kind of feel bad because we're the players podcast where but that's kind of funny. Like if he, I mean, if he likes to get after it, if he likes to get after it, I, I might actually text him about the breathing situation. Oh my God, <laughs> a little advice from the vet. Yeah. I sent that to the thread because well, I like asked a, you to ask people in the BDSM community. If, if that was in fact, one of those, like, well, I think you're going to have to hit up Reddit for that. I'm having my own issues. I don't know if I'm going R and B or sure this R&B. isn't like a very classy restoration hardware bed frame. Right. That you possibly yeah. think it's like, you know, attached to whips and chains. But the crazy part about it is it was mentioned. And then people below it who obviously get down, were kind of like, Oh yeah, that's exactly what that is. Where I was like, Oh shit. Like, yeah, that's the AC 3000 model. That thing's, Beautiful. Yeah, last you 10 years, no problem. Yeah. Well, hey, um, since we're kind of on that topic of conversation, um, I want to open up the platform here for some people have been bitching online about the Bruins maybe parting a little too hard. Now, I'll let you guys give your opinion and I'll follow with mine because I've been talking way too much. I mean, back to chat real quick. I mean, he did play with a broken jaw, so <laughs> maybe he likes that pleasure pain yeah. thing going on at once. <laughs> yeah. Play through pain. Yeah, the, the Bruins party and at okay, they didn't party like they won the Stanley Cup. They went to a club in Boston. Clubs in Boston are like nothing like any other cities. They're just fucking random clubs. There's two, three clubs in Boston. It's not a big deal to go to a club in Boston. I don't think they paid to have the sign put up. Congrats on a great season. I'm sure the club did that. I'm sure the club sent all the dances out. Uh, they went out one night. Marshawn's Marshawn. He partied on the bow with his shirt off, goggles on. I, I, don't, I don't get how you blame people for unwinding. They just played two months of fucking playoff hockey. They're fucking all hurting. They're dying. They got so close to the goal. Of course, they're going to go out and get drunk. Whether you want to call it a celebration of a season, unwinded, whatever. Who cares? I mean, I go back to 1973. I was, an, I was a one years old. Bruins got knocked out, I think, the first round because Esposito's knee got shredded. Well, the team went to Mass General Hospital, literally dressed up as doctors, and took his gurney out, wheeled him out of the hospital up to Daisy Buchanan's to party to celebrate whatever, the end of the season. So, you know what I mean? It's like guys are going to do that at the end of the year. I got fucking no problem with it whatsoever. And it wasn't like they potty like they won the cup. I mean, we see what the Blues are doing right now. What the Bruins have done is nothing like that. So, it's just whatever. It's just fucking internet bullshit. I, I will say that that our one the one time I've been I've been there twice now. The one time there was all of a sudden an enormous spit and chiclet sign lit up that we didn't ask for. Unless Grinelli still hasn't admitted to me that he did fucking ask for that. So the Bruins went out. They went out to a club. They went out to a club. All of a sudden, there's some Bruins signs around them that they're trust me. They're not asking for those, and they're doing what any other team does after they lose whether it be not make not making the playoffs, losing the first round, second round, third round, all the teams are going to go out and get after it. I mean, the only difference now being that everything's online. And when you're that fucked up and the season is over, you really don't care during the year. Dude, you take a picture of me, give me your phone. I'll smash it. Like you can't be doing that or you're not going to be acting like the way they've been acting. But right now, I mean, they don't care if there's going to be videos out, but because a couple people video them getting after it when the season's over and everything's done with, and it's their time to actually rewind and, and, you know, drink away some of their sorrows. Well, 
they're going to do it. And so if you're going to get in their face, I mean, I, they don't really care, but that's the only reason anyone's seeing any of this. I mean, we're going to back up the players, and I am too. Shocker, we're a player's podcast. I, it, it's, it's hard to explain to people sometimes because they've never been through it. But because they sometimes care more. I'm, I've said this. It, they don't understand like, how players aren't as upset as they are. Well, it's, 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 I say it's not even necessarily that's the case where they might essentially be doing it, you know, deep down in their mind to, to kind of get away from that. I mean, Brad Marchand, man, yeah. like, let's not forget here, like, you know, it ended up being the game winner. The game was ended up being out of hand anyway. But, like, this is a guy who all season long, there's constant pressure on him because he makes big bucks. He plays in a big market. He has to produce. The minute he's not, there's articles, there's things being said online. Um, and then and then ends up having to do it in playoffs. Very good team. They have to live up to the expectations. They went all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals till Game Seven. The fucking amount of, of 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 all that pressure I talked about mounts to that point. You have to stay dialed in, focused mentally, worried about all the other outside distractions, and then finally it's all over. And these guys get to be regular regular dudes with with their teammates, the same group of people they just went to war with all season long. And they main probably you're never going to play with the full same team again. That's no. a that's a fact. So that's your 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 last four days together as a group who almost achieved that goal. They get to get together and they get to pop off and get the fuck out of reality because whatever. And now, like you said, because there's phones and stuff, people see it. It's been happening forever. Oh, I yeah. get that Brad Marchand is excessive and he gets up there, but dude, fucking, that's him. That's his personality. He battled all the way to the end. Yes, was that goal maybe his fault? I mean, I don't want to see maybe. Yeah, sure. And that's probably eating him alive. It's yep. eating him alive. So get out of reality. So I'm, it, it's kind of frustrating because these people just have no clue what these guys go through. And this is coming from a guy who played fourth line and there was no pressure to score goals. I used to fucking – the pressure was if the fucking water bottles weren't filled to the proper temperature, if it wasn't 50-50 Gatorade water. We're like, these guys, man, what they deal with – I know – and then we're going to get this one. Wow, that's what they gave paid millions and millions for. Well, guess what? Your mental health doesn't know that. Well, that's why they don't care what you're saying, and they're doing this anyway. So, I mean, right. They, so they, don't, they don't give a shit. You can get mad, and I, I, I'm not even going to say I don't see the fan side that is like, what the hell? This, this kind of looks ridiculous, but I just know from, from having been through it, I mean, you got to let off some steam somehow. Absolutely. And, and once again, as a Bruins fan, like they battled all the way to game seven till the end. They deserve that celebration. And the people at the bar were probably like, fucking right. Thanks for bringing us on this ride. Yep. Absolutely. And you had to love, love my Sean's reply to the chicklets feed when we tweeted out the video of him dancing. It says, uh, sorry for bringing it. He tweeted like, so that's fucking hilarious. Sorry for bringing it. And not to mention, Biz, the, the injury list they had. They had to have a couple of cocktails to fucking nurse those wounds. Uh, give a quick little rundown of what they had for injuries. Nola Chari, broken sternum foot injury. Patrice Bergeron, groin injury. Jake DeBrus concussion, Marshawn, groin, abdominal injury, sprained hand, pasta, re-aggravated thumb injury. Wagner, not at breakup day, but he broke his arm uh, back versus Carolina. Chara, we talked about his broken jaw. He had wires, plates, and screws in there, and a groin injury. Oh. Rizzy had a conky. John Moore broke his fucking humerus some, somewhere during the course of the season, still played. He has a four- to six-month recovery. And, of course, Kevin Miller had two broken kneecaps uh, in the same knee. Didn't play in the final, as uh, I told everyone. How many back kneecaps back does then. he have? Yeah, well, I guess one break was horizontal and one was vertical. Oh. Uh, so pretty crazy. But, uh, boys, before we – got a couple more notes on the cup and, and uh, 
the cons might the chill. We did want to mention we are going to be bringing on TJ Galliotti in a little bit. We got a nice conversation with him. We want to bring you. But uh, did you guys happen to see any of the cons might voting? How that played out? No, no I didn't. I haven't seen anything. Yeah, the Conn Smythe voting, it's a 5-3-1 voting format, you know, five points for first, three for second, one for uh, third place. Uh, of the 18 first place votes, the ones that Ryan O'Reilly didn't get went to Ben Nasty. O'Reilly got 13 of them, Ben Nasty got five of them. Uh, Rask got four second place votes and nine third place votes. He was left off of five ballots. Uh, Petrangelo got three second place votes and one third place vote. And Colton Pareko got two second-place votes and a third-place vote. That's probably for me blowing him the whole playoffs. Yeah, yeah it might have, might have been. Uh, and for people who think the media plays fades, well, of course they do. But uh, it was interesting. I thought two Boston writers left Rask off their ballot completely. And one St. Louis writer had Ryan O'Reilly third uh, after the two goalies. So I thought that was okay. a little I, I Maybe they did it in order to not come off as biased, which, which I respect because, you know, you want to be given an even playing field to what you believe. And that tells me that they're being truthful about it because they are from Boston. Now, to leave Rask off I think is crazy. And I was looking up his numbers. Not one game all of playoff – other than game seven of the finals, was his save percentage below 900. And people, people were, remember how they were harping about the Bennington thing? Where I was like, Bennington was solid throughout playoffs and he had great bounce back games. But in uh, two games in the, in the finals and two games in the conference finals, he, he had a couple stinkers as far as save, save percentage was concerned. So, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Rask maintained that pace all of playoffs and the only quote unquote egg he laid based on his his safe percentage and i thought there was maybe one goal in that game that he could he could have got back is it, it, he sustained it for that amount of time he he deserved he if he, if boston wins he gets it oh no no doubt about that and he was the only bruin to get any votes as well and of course biz you know games three and six definitely killed um bennington's safe percentage he got lit up those two games but obviously his his response in, in games after they lost was incredible uh, right but the point being is like like I would have picked Rask to win the con Smythe before Bennington. That's not taking anything away from Bennington. He had an excellent playoffs. Yeah. He was solid in bounce back games and solid when he had to be. And especially in the clutch moment of game seven, stole three of the four games against Boston in Boston. So I just, I, you know, I, I think that that's ridiculous that they left Rask off the list based on his numbers. Fucking rights, biz. <laughs> oh, do I sound like a Boston bias idiot? No, no, no. We were talking about that the other day. Fucking rights. How many times oh. they say fucking rights? Have so the minute right. you win the Stanley Cup, it's like a, a switch goes off in your head where when all you're you a hockey say. player, all you can say is fucking rights. Fucking rights. <laughs> hey, by the way. Fucking rights. You know, uh, Bobby, you know, Ortuzo is just lighting up the world with these shirts of his. The, those are so the, Are we selling those? You know, Oh yeah. oh yeah, those are ours. Yeah, I, I got I got the handoff after after game seven. We passed them off to Larry Flowers to get to Ortuzo and that's Ortuzo. So to see him fucking wearing it during the parade under his game shirt, that was fantastic. I love it. It's been hilarious. So what do you say, boys? Want to send it over to TJ Galliotti? Then we'll come back with catch everybody up on the NHL. Yeah, Gal's a, f- a former NHL player, great guy. I th- I thought this was a really fun interview. He's he's easy to talk to. What's uh, up? Another thing that we should cover before we throw it over yeah. did. I know St. Louis guys had a lot of injuries as well. Did they post the list or was that not done? I know uh, Ryan O'Reilly uh, played with a cracked rib. He got that in the Dallas series. So that, even even add that onto the legend of, yeah. of Ryan O'Reilly's playoff, uh, playoff push here. Yeah, I didn't see a similar list for St. Louis. Uh, and I think maybe because they won, there's not as much like people wanting to see. Because when you lose, you're like, well, shit, how bad were they hurt? Whereas you win, I think people are just getting drunk at party and maybe don't have as much concern for it. Yeah, but, they don't even care. Yeah, exactly. 
there, there was actually one more thing about um, uh, the Bruins that I wanted to talk about. And I said something before game five after he'd sustained – or no, sorry. I believe it was after game five. He'd sustained the jaw injury. He played in game five. He wasn't very good. And, and I, I made the comments of like, I, I mean, maybe they should take him out and, and give a couple mobile guys who can provide offense because they, they have depth on the back end. And they, they, I don't think Grizzlick was ready. So no matter what, it wasn't going to happen. And, and I, I, I forgot to compliment him after game six. In game six, he was very good. And, of course, they were playing with the lead. He ended up lugging, I think, close to 24 minutes in that games, game. And, I, and I, he shoved it right up my hoop. And I kind of after I said it, I'm like, fuck, dude, they can't take him out of the lineup. Idiot call by me. But I was happy that he had an unbelievable bounce back game. And, I mean, I, I would imagine that he plays another year. But if it's all said and done – total respect to him for playing with that fucking broken jaw the way it was. And that is just, that makes you a legend forever in Boston. Ever. Absolutely. And this actually one other thing too, biz, this really jumped out at me. There has not been a lead change in a Stanley cup final game seven since 1987. Wednesday was the eighth game seven since then. So that's eight fucking cup cup game sevens and it hasn't been one lead. It's change. like the team who scores first, you gain so much momentum. And O'Reilly said that on the ice. He's like, I knew, when we got the first one and we knew yeah. we fucking had it, then he apologized for swearing. But you could tell it's like, we get that first one. We're going to win the Stanley Cup. And then, you know, on the other side, it's you're, you're you're trying to say you're not panicking, but holy fuck, we got to get two now. We're, we're losing. If it ends, it, it's just it completely changes everything. And it's surprising though, still that it that it's been that long without any sort of excitement once the first team gets there. And I feel it's uh, based on how your team's built sometimes as well. Yeah. St. Louis is big and heavy, and and they can eat clock and and play the right way where it suffocates you. Where that's a team specifically to play with the lead. Like they are, they are, and, and, and that's crazy that he did say that after the game. And, and I, I believe before the game, I said that too. I said, it's more important for St. Louis to get that first goal than it is Boston. Like I still, I mean, you saw it. Boston carried the play offensively that whole game. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> Wasn't meant to be. And also the Blues were one of eight teams with odds of 250 or higher to win the cup on January 7th at Caesars. All the other teams missed the playoffs. So, again, we've talked about the odds a bunch, but that's still amazing. 250 to one on January 7th to win the cup. So, all right, boys, let's send it over to TJ Galliotti. We got some good stuff with him. Selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... As easy as pie? Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or VIN. As easy as a stroll in the park. Okay, then just answer a few questions and you'll get a real offer in seconds. As easy as singing. Why not? Schedule a pickup or drop-off and Carvana will pay you that amount right on the spot. As easy as playing guitar. Actually, I find that kind of difficult. But selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... Can be. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get an instant offer today. The High Noon El Prez Pack is here, featuring my top four High Noon Vodka Celta flavors. These flavors include passion fruit, pineapple, pear, an all-new flavor, tangerine, all made with real vodka, real juice. This 12-pack is only here for a limited time, so get it while you can. Just look for the pack with my face on it. You can even scan the QR code in the pack and have me virtually join your party. Visit HighNoonSpirits.com to find the El Prez Pack nearest you. And now we are pleased to join by, a, by an old friend of myself, a man who can say he played in the ECAC and the WHL, two of the most opposite places on the planet. TJ Galliardi from Calgary, Alberta, now living in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Nova Scotia. Thanks for joining Spit and Chick with the podcast, bud. How have you been? Been well, boys. Thanks for having me. 
So um, I want to know kind of what's going on right now, because we briefly just talked before we started recording about your new company and what's going on in Halifax and how that's all going. So before we get into your career, what is the post-retirement life been like? Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been pretty hectic. I packed it in about a year and a half ago, quickly followed that up with the birth of uh, my daughter, who is now 10 months. Um, started a company with an old friend of mine, Darren Burke. We're uh, doing a couple of cool things out here in Halifax. So it's been, it's been nonstop ever since I, I hung the skates up. Dude. So you had a you had a child right after retirement, like I did. Can you imagine having a kid and playing? <laughs> I don't know how these guys do oh it. Oh my god! Oh my I don't god. get it either. I mean, we were up probably, you know, in the early days, three, four times at least in the middle of the night, and having to play a game the next day that wouldn't have been fun. Gally, um, you, you mentioned the food company. What uh, what exactly is going on with this company? Typically, we don't do free ads, but uh, maybe we can give you a little business <laughs> in Howie. Yeah, that's great. So uh, we we're doing a couple things. So one is we created this uh, sustainable technology where we're reducing food waste for grocers. Uh, we essentially powder their excess produce, and then that becomes raw materials for our uh, our protein powders and different supplements that we have in the market under our brand TDF Sports. Uh, my mind's in a pretzel right now. I mean, do you, <laughs> you guys know what the fuck he just said? I think I do. <laughs> I I'm not 100% sure. Either way, I'm pretty sure you'll crush it. You did the old college then juniors thing. That's not something everybody does. Uh, you went to Dartmouth too, so you must have a, a brain in your head. So why did you go from Dartmouth to juniors? Was it, was it not cutting a fire? Did you get tossed? Did something happen that uh, made you do that decision, make that decision? Uh, you know what, R.A., there's a bit of a long story to that. I can give you the short one. I, I essentially I decided to go to Dartmouth because it was a really cool opportunity for me being from Calgary and didn't even know what the Ivy League was growing up, and then that came up, so it was uh, I jumped all over it. Got out there, had a really good good start to the season, and you know what, guys on the team started saying, well, you're not going to be here for four years, so why are you trying to take all the complicated classes and – trying to go down a road of something that you're really not going to finish up for a long time. So I listened to some of the guys, the older guys and got in a few of the classes that were uh, attendance wasn't mandatory and, you know, took some sculpture classes and uh, just a bunch of funny ones. And then as the season went on, I, I really had a great year and ended up getting drafted. And during the playoffs, uh, one of the classes that I, probably went to I'd say three or four of the classes the whole term we had a final and uh, I ended up cheating on the test <laughs> got caught uh, <laughs> I thought it would all get brushed under the rug which it didn't uh, ended up getting a three-term suspension which would have taken me into the first half of the season the next year so it was a pretty easy decision to leave and ended up uh, getting to go play in Calgary my my hometown team for the hitmen which ended up turning out well you wow. said you were drafted at that point by Colorado. How pissed off were they that you got busted cheating? You know what, actually? I, I don't think they were that upset because at Dartmouth we played 33 games and then I ended up playing over 100 the next year for Calgary, including playoffs. So I don't think they were too upset with it. Mr. Galliardi, cheating is not acceptable at Dartmouth College. I could see you. You're just like, fuck you. I'm going to the dub, bud. What's the dub? Yeah, you know what? 
when it's pretty funny the way they the way they told me I was suspended they they didn't even do a meeting or anything they slipped a little note under my dorm room door that said yeah you've been suspended three terms so uh, all the boys knew what was going on and I ended up meeting with them all at the gym and just said hey I got three terms so I'm out of here so that team was actually crazy it's ran, it's random I was just talking about that Dartmouth team because there wasn't there eight guys who played in the NHL from that team like it was loaded yeah. Yeah, we had uh, David Jones, Tanner Glass, Ben Lovejoy, uh, JT Wyman, Nick Johnson, uh, probably missing a couple guys, but we, we had a hell of a team or just couldn't put it together. Uh, what was Ben Lovejoy like in, uh, in uh, college hockey? I play with him in Wilkes-Barre. He's a bit of a quirky guy, isn't he? Definitely, yeah. He was a senior when I was a freshman there, so he uh, – he was he was definitely an introvert. He used to lube himself up after every single skate, head to toe with Vaseline and lotion, which was kind of a weird thing for me to see. But a hell of a player and, and definitely a good guy. I keep in touch with him now every now and then. And another guy I played with in Wilkes-Barre was Nick Johnson. He was more of a space cadet, but uh, definitely a beauty. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He, he was a hell of a player himself, too, and good guy. We I think the team there, we probably partied a little too much and weren't as focused as the uh, on the on-ice activities. Well, Dartmouth's a bunch of drunks. People get crushed at that. So you're in the middle of New Hampshire. What the fuck else are you going to do? What about when didn't you guys have like a boa constrictor that got too big and you had to get rid of it? <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was the year before I got there. Oh, so okay, uh, okay. Tanner Glass and those guys, they, they bought one when it was pretty small. And I think over the course of a year or two, it got pretty big. And they tried to give it back to the pet store. They wouldn't take it. They tried to give it to the SPCA. They wouldn't take it. And I think one night they actually got themselves as high as they possibly could on every drug they could find. And I think they ended up actually killing it. <laughs> oh, Jesus. oh God, we're going to, Peter's oh, going to be Jesus. Way to go, snake. TJ. Poor wow. snake. Yeah. Funny story from a guy that's, uh, that's been vegan for almost five years. <laughs> you mentioned the, the cheating. Uh, a little trivia. I'm not sure if, if you're aware of this, but Dartmouth was actually the inspiration for Animal House. Um, the co-screenwriter, Chris Miller, he went to the, was at a frat there. So it's kind of funny because they actually, there was a cheating really? was part of the movie. Yeah. So that's kind of funny. You're telling a cheating story. That was a pivotal plot point in the Animal House. Yeah. Yeah. Dartmouth was a big inspiration. Yeah. The frat right next door to the to the hockey frat was the one that inspired uh, Animal House. TJ, uh, you ended up going over to Calgary and playing with Ryan White, who was in the Coyotes organization. Guys here loved him. You got any funny stories about Whitey? Oh, man. Uh, I'd say Whitey was probably, of every guy I ever played with, other than maybe Jumbo, he was the hardest on his teammates. He used to just rip into our goalie after every period if he had an off night and Definitely was all over guys in the locker room, but everyone loved him because he was one of those heart and soul players that, you know, he wasn't afraid to drop the gloves. And we had an unreal team that year, but uh, we couldn't put it together and, and we, we weren't able to make it to the Mem Cup like everyone thought we would. Well, you know, you, you turn pro and you spend, you know, one year in the, in the AHL mostly, a couple NHL games. But then the next year, your rookie year, good season. But how about the guys on that team that you got, you got to play? I think was it Yipper, Shane O'Brien. Who else was on that club in, in Denver? 
Oh man, that team was all time. We had uh, we had twelve single guys, which nowadays, I mean, I, I'm still in touch with a lot of guys that I played with that are still going, and I feel like nowadays there's usually one or two single guys on a team now. So uh, back then it was it was pretty fun to to roll with our crew. Yeah, we had Yipper, O'Reilly, uh, Shane O'Brien, Chris Stewart. Uh, who oh, else was yeah. there? No, we we had a Ryan O'Byrne. We had a ton of guys that were just. It was. It, let's just say we had a we had a good time in that city. A bunch of you actually went on a trip to Cancun, and that's where you met Wit for the first time, correct? Yeah, actually. Oh, yeah. So I, I had a. Tr- I think we had uh, from our team. I think we maybe had eight guys, and me and Shaddy were roommates. So we got there and I hadn't really talked with any guys on any other teams about where they were going. And we show up and we had this cool little, this suite, I guess you'd call it where we, we had our own hot tub. And I think there were about eight of them or six of them, that same style in the hotel. And we check in and we're walking outside. We go check out our hot tub and I look at the one right next to us and it's got Halsey in the hot tub, wet dog. I think uh, Gagne was in there and probably a handful other Oilers guys. So uh, we uh, we ended up having a good time, and I think we all pre-partied together and went out every night as a crew. Yeah, that was – and then my buddies Donnie and Nettie were there too. Ned since come on chiclets. So, dude, remember that asshole we were playing volleyball against? What was that clown's name? Oh, my God. Shaddy remembers. Shaddy – because Shaddy always says his name whenever I see him. Yeah, it was Rick, I think. Rick, dude. This clown Rick. I think he was wearing khakis out on the beach in Cabo, taking volleyball dead serious, diving for points, trying to shit talk us. We were just like, Rick, take it easy, Rick. I can't believe I remembered that guy's name. Yeah, that was a, that's why you went to Dartmouth. <laughs> hey, can you give us a backstory on the CC35 name for that crew? Oh man. Okay. So we, so this was the year before that it was uh, Olympic break and we had a crew of guys. I think we had, uh, I think we were maybe 12 deep where we were all going to Cancun and, and Wayne Simmons booked the whole trip. He set everything up and we all just said, yeah, we're going. And I think it was, yeah, I think it was 35 days before I decided to do an upper body workout every day before the trip. So that's where the CC35 came from. And uh, all the boys found out. And, of course, we're, we're ripping on me for it. But uh, I think I was looking pretty good on the beach on that trip. That's what Brendan Yip texted me. He said, I think we call it the CC35 trip because 35 days out, we all started doing push-up ladders leading up to the – uh, leading up to it in the dressing room after practice. Yeah, well, we got to this hotel, and I think probably every young student in Canada has been to it. It was uh, Oasis. It was the Grand Oasis. Yeah, I've been there. I've been so, there. Um, so we showed up. I, I thought we were going to be staying at some nice five-star resort, and we walk in, and I'm looking around, and I'm like, I told Stewie, I said, what the hell is this place? Are you kidding me? And he's like, oh, just just wait, just wait. We walked out into the pool and there were thousands of kids just partying because it was a uh, Canadian reading week at the time. <laughs> That's fucking <laughs> hilarious. Now going back to Colorado, Forsberg and Sackick always came across as like laid back superstars with, you know, quiet personalities, or at least that's how they came across. Did either of them ever like lose their shit in the locker room and flip out? Did that ever happen? Uh, Sackett kind of had the personality as far as when I was there where he kind of just was uh, very dry and he'd throw out little chirps here and there. He got into it with uh, 
LaPerriere, Ian LaPerriere once mm-hmm. in the locker room. Uh, he was chirping Lappy about he dropped a stick and blocking a shot and then he kicked his stick and the guy got a penalty shot and Saka came over and was just chirping him saying, that's what happens when you're not in position. And uh, just, you know, he was one of those guys that, it's hard to explain his his sense of humor, but the guy ran the organization even when he was playing. I remember we had a we had a morning skate scheduled once, and he he told the GM and the coach. He said, "No, no, we're not doing the skate. We're getting right on the plane and leaving." And of course, within an hour, we were on the plane in the air. So it was pretty cool to see a guy have that kind of impact. Sounds like Mario. Yeah, so, yeah, definitely a Mario move. Uh, another guy we don't hear much about, played forever, uh, Milan Hayduk. What's that guy like in the locker room? Really quiet, but uh, you get some drinks into him, and he's an unreal guy. He he liked to party with the boys, but uh, definitely a quiet guy, just a sniper, went, a lot, went about, about his job and just could score like pretty much no one I ever saw. Hey, so we're also looking, I'm kind of looking through this team before we move on from Colorado, but what a, what a crazy group this was. And then you're seeing Ryan O'Reilly now just dominate his way to all season, carrying the Blues into the cup final. Were you buddies with him hanging out? I mean, you just, we've had guys on before that just say he's just as cool as they come. Just good looking guy. Probably, I think he plays the fucking guitar whatever it is. Is that, is that how it was with you and him? Yeah, so he came in, he was 18 years old, and even at that age, everyone was like, man, this kid's got something, and especially on the ice and off, like he just, he's just an unreal guy, and uh, so modest, but so good at everything that he does, so he uh, definitely has one of those personalities that's super contagious, and you kind of want to be around him, just a salt-of-the-earth guy, so I'm really happy to see him doing so well. I I didn't want to see it at the cost of Jumbo losing, but it's it's good when you got friends on both teams and you know one of them's going to be happy at the end it's so crazy that kid like he gets drafted 33rd overall right his last year junior gets 66 points like not even a point per game and then doesn't ever play a game in the ahl it's just wild like because then i'm sure he showed up at camp like you're saying and you're like what the fuck how is this kid 33rd pick you know yeah, he's a stud. He was he came in at the same time as Duchesne, and Duchesne was kind of a highly touted guy, and yeah. you know, supposed to be the face of the franchise. And then O'Reilly was there too, and everyone's like, "Whoa, this kid's like just as good as Dutchie." We know goalies are generally speaking weirdos. Uh, was Patty Wah a weirdo, and if so, how was he a weirdo? <laughs> I, I actually didn't get to I didn't get to play with him, but I heard some funny stories. Uh, I had a weird goalie in Colorado myself, Craig Anderson, who was my my roommate on the road for for two years there, and I love the guy. He was uh, definitely a character. His go to move when we'd get to the hotel was to gear down right away and just get into bed, and he wouldn't leave his bed. Like room service guy, every road trip. Yeah, all day, every day, room service. <laughs> oh, that makes me sick. So then you end up getting traded over to San Jose. That must have been a little bit, uh, a little awkward. You guys had some bad blood back and forth between uh, playoff series, didn't you? Yeah. So we played them the year before in, in the first round, and I was just tearing into guys every shift and trying to get guys to fight me and, you know, playing that chippy style. And of course, the next year at the deadline, I, I get the call and they say, oh, well, you're going to San Jose. So I'm like, all right, this should be interesting. Um, so I flew in, we got in super late at night. I think it was about midnight, get to the, get to the hotel, morning skate in the morning, you know, pleasantries with the guys shaking some hands. First guy I see is Dougie Murray, who I used to just tear into. 
And uh, both of us just stare at each other for, for probably, it seemed like forever, and then just kind of both start laughing because that's just the hockey, that's the hockey lifestyle right there. You, you understand that it's a game and when you're out there, you're going to be, you're going to be going for your own team and whatever you say on the ice, as long as you're not crossing the line is, is all part of it. But uh, anyways, so we, we play a game that night. I think we played Philly. We, we beat them one, nothing. And then uh, my good buddy, Jason Demers goes, Hey, listen, we're, we're going out after the game. We're going to Dougie Murray's place. He's having a little party. So uh, change up and I'll come pick you up at the hotel and we'll head over there. So he picks me up. I don't know what to expect here. I had heard some stories about Dougie, but uh, wasn't sure. So we get there, knock on the door. The door opens. There's three girls, no tops on at all, just little stickies over their nipples. And they say, Hey, this is, this is no shirt party. You gotta, you gotta get your shirts off if you want to come in here. So that was my first experience with the sharks. <laughs> hey, you go from chirping how bad his boots are in playoffs that he can't even turn around because he fucking turns like an 18 wheeler. And next thing you know, he's trying to get you tapping kills. <laughs> well, you could see why the guy could drink like no one I'd ever seen before in my life. So he, uh, he, he definitely knew how to have fun off the ice, but he was a warrior on it. It's crazy how you hear about people around the league, like Ryan Malone, that kid, that kid can drink. I mean, he'll put you right under the table, drink you right under Doug Murray's name just resonated throughout the league that this guy could party. Yeah, I mean, you look at the size of the guy's head and, it, and his body is just the thickest human you ever play against. I think he popped out at least four shoulders a year just crushing guys. So, Yeah, when I was at BU, we went up to play uh, Cornell – Doug Murray, I think he injured two or three people. He gave me a concussion by just the noise, the sound uh, made when the puck hit the crossbar. He was shot at 130 miles an hour. So I was conked from that ping in my ear. So I just remember being like, I can't imagine this kid at the bars after. I mean, you couldn't even – he was like the fat guy on ice hockey where you just would bounce off him with the skinny guy in Nintendo. Yeah, you got to stay away from that guy on the ice. He was a unit. Shafty McGinty was his nickname that uh, Jumbo created for him. First time I ever met Murray was in Vegas. He he just came up behind me. I'd never even shook hands with the guy. Put me right on his shoulders and then chugged two Bud Lights back to back and then let me down. He was like dancing in the club. It was Marquee Nightclub in Las Vegas at the Cosmopolitan Hotel. Uh, one interesting thing you said was that Jumbo was really hard on his teammates. What did you mean by that? Well, Jumbo's a guy who, you know, he he demands so much out of everyone, including himself. So if you're if he if he thinks you're not doing 100, percent he's going to let you know. And it, no one was off limits. He'd, he'd go after Patty Marlowe quite a bit while I was there. And uh, you know, I think I forgot who it was. I think it was Demers that told the story of him uh, chirping Chloe for for taking that bad penalty and ended up breaking uh, Boiler's nose in the scuffle in the locker room. So. I got a front row seat for that one too, but uh, he, you, you knew if you were going to be on the ice with Jumbo that if you didn't do everything you could to get him the puck, he was going to tear into you. So uh, it was something, it, it was something you had to know was coming if you were playing with him. And I was lucky enough to get to play with him for a few months on a line. And that was literally all I'd do is get him the puck. And it, the few times that I didn't, he'd be on the bench and Gally, are you, are you kidding me? Why, why are you not giving me, giving that to me? I'm like, Jumbo, you had two guys on you there, <laughs> but he wants it all day. 
Uh, were you surprised the the output of Logan Couture this spring? I mean, he's had an unbelievable run. It's over now. But uh, did you think he was as this capable of putting on this much of a show come playoff time? Yeah, the guy's unbelievable. I mean, if I was a GM starting a team, he'd be up there on the list of guys that really? I'm going after. Not only, oh man, he's unbelievable. Yeah, but like you can. No, I'm sorry. I, yeah, you can go into it, but I'm wondering, like, does he? What does he blow? Like, none of his skills are like the best you've ever seen, right? It's just, it's just the entire package put together. Yeah, that's it. I mean, he does it all. Power play, penalty kill, any situation, and just knows how to play the right way at the right time. Like, he's not going to be the guy that, you know, you got a one-goal lead and he's trying to dangle a guy at the blue line. It's just he's super smart. His hockey IQ is through the roof. So uh, I I love Cooch. He's an unreal guy and an unreal player. You got to play with some pretty fun guys in that on that San Jose team. Uh, Scott Gomez, another one who really good to his teammates, fun guy to have around. You got any Scotty G stories? So G Love, self-proclaimed nickname G Love. He uh, he was on the four, he was on the fourth line when I was in San Jose, and his go-to line would be if you want to if you want to win, put G Love in. Uh, and he'd he'd be after the game saying, "Boys, boys, you got to play G Love twenty minutes if you want to win." Didn't didn't matter didn't matter if he played five. He'd be saying, "I should be playing twenty because the boys will win if I'm playing 20. But uh, a great guy. Didn't matter if there were uh, you know one on one for dinner or if there were fifteen guys for dinner. G Love was paying for it every time, all Dude. year. The second I met him, till the second he left. After the ticket, the most generous person I've ever met. He was in Boston uh, with Jay Pandolfo one time. This was probably 2008 maybe maybe 2007 like I had met him for maybe five seconds and we ended up at a bar that those guys were at and I had this huge table like 15 people at the table the bill I was like ah this is gonna be a heavy one tonight and then the woman comes over bottle service goes she's like yeah Mr. Gomez paid for it like 15 of my buddies and I'd met him for 10 seconds he was he's the best guy he's uh, it's unreal yeah, that doesn't surprise me one bit. And his go-to line every time was, ah, oh, you know what, boys, market was good today. So market was good today. It's on me. Uh, you seem like a morale guy, at least from some of the people that I've talked to via text. Uh, one guy texted me, we had a playoff push, and every game we won, the MVP got to cut a piece of his hair off. Can you tell that story? Yeah, that was it was kind of random. So I think we were actually in Arizona, and our team was on a bit of a slump in San Jose. And uh, – I just always would screw around. I think that's why a lot of coaches hated me. But uh, I, I think I had wrapped, you know, that pre-wrap that you put on before you tape your ankle or something like that? Yeah. I, I, had, taped, I had taped that all around my head for two touch, just being an idiot. And then uh, I, I came back to the training room and still had it on. And I, I think Jumbo was like, oh, Gally, there's a piece kind of sticking out here. Let me get it for you. And I had long hair at the time and Jumbo, of course, snips it and, and takes a huge lock of my hair out while he did it. So he's dying laughing. I'm just like, whatever, you can't get mad at Jumbo. So we play the game, we end up winning uh, and we started a streak. So after every game, he's like, oh, you know, we won the next game. And he goes, Gally, we got to we got to snip the hair again. It's rolling. It's working for us. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm a team guy. So I'm like, all right, right after the game, we win. He, he gets the scissors out in front of all the boys. He gets to take another snip out. And, you know, fast forward several games, I'm like, okay, boys, we got to get someone else here. So we started 
kind of picking a guy to do every game. Whoever was the MVP got to got to slice some hair out of whoever they wanted. And, of course, they picked me most of the time, so my hair was pretty <laughs> ratty by the end of the playoff race there. But funny story. So we, we were at home in playoffs. I think it was in the second round. And we won. We, we beat L.A. in a game. And our owner was at the game, this uh, German guy, Hasse Planter, and he, he was in the locker room after and uh, I, I think Jumbo got the scissors and he was the MVP and he called Haas up and cut a slice of his hair out in front of all the boys. <laughs> Just cutting a billionaire's hair in front of all the team, uh, in front of the team. So after San Jose, you end up with the hometown flames. Uh, Tupata, was that a, a childhood dream come true? And B, did uh, Bob Hartley make it a nightmare for you? We've heard some stories about him. RA, you're pretty much bang on there. So, uh, Doug Doug Wilson, the GM of the Sharks, at the end of that playoff run, uh, he basically said, "You know what? We're up against it with the cap. Uh, I'll give you the chance if you want to go. If you want to go somewhere, I've got uh, ten teams that'll take you, which was pretty cool at that point. And uh, once I saw Calgary on the list, I said, "Yeah, 100%. I always wanted to play there." which I had the blinders on, which was kind of a mistake. I didn't really do my due diligence to, to ask the boys on the team what it's like with, with old Bob, but ended up going there. He, he was definitely a, uh, not, not my favorite coach I ever had. He, one of those kind of weird guys where it didn't matter what was going on. If you had just played an unreal game, if there was something in his head where he, where he had a feeling he was going to, he was going to change the lineup or whatever. So uh, I remember one game, David Jones wore a bow tie to the game and Bob Healthy scratched him for wearing a bow tie. <laughs> Are you shitting me? Really? Stuck on that one. Wow. Yeah, 100%. And then I think it was probably a week after that, we, we had played in Ottawa. We had a back-to-back or Ottawa first and then Toronto. I had, an, I had a really good game in Ottawa. I think I had an assist. And then we get to Toronto the next day. I see the lineup on the board and my number's not on it. So I'm like, oh, what's going on here? So I, I go into his office and I'm like, Bob, uh, what's going on? Uh, I don't see my number on the board. And he goes, uh, you know, Gally Papa. He called me Gally Papa. He goes, Gally Papa, uh, uh, last game I watched you in warm-ups. Uh, you, you got off the ice with five minutes left. And I said, yeah, yeah, Bob, I did the, I've been doing that my whole career. And he's like, well, what do you think that looks like to me, Gally? Oh my God. I said, oh, I don't really know, Bob. Uh, you'd have to tell me. He said, well, it looks like you're not being fully prepared for the game, so you're not going to play tonight to think about that. Jesus Christ. You're like, how did I play in the game, dude? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But you couldn't really argue with the guy because he, uh, yeah, he was a bit of a, uh, yeah, let's just leave it at that. Next game, your bag's getting yourself doing double dickies. you fucking staring at him the entire time. I did pull an unreal play, Biz, that you you probably would have loved. I wonder if you did this ever in your career. We were we were in Detroit, and I knew I was in for a real bagger that day because we we had a few days before a game. And uh, I remember uh, I went up to Hoods, Yuri Hoodler, and said, "Hey, hey, do you know the rink guy here? Uh, here's a hundred bucks. Give it to him to come on right after the boys finish finish the pregame skate, and just use an excuse." And he said, "Okay, I'll try to I'll try to do that." So. We finished the morning skate, and of course, Bob's ready to pull the guys in to just take them for an absolute ride, do a bunch of mountains. And this Zamboni guy cracks the gate open with a huge smile on his face, 
and kicks the boys off the ice. So got myself out of a bagger for Get 100 bucks. Get the fuck <laughs> out of here. That's unbelievable. Hilarious. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a lifesaver. That's – oh, God, that's such a veteran move. I never did that once. But um, some rinks – I think what you're slotted into is, to, what, till uh, quarter after is usually what the time was. And, and most teams are pretty strict where the guy would come out. But you'd always be like, motherfucker, when the guy, like, didn't care. He's like, oh, take time, guys. We're no rush here. Game's not till 7. <laughs> and you're like, I'm going to slit this guy. Yeah, you're looking, <laughs> you're looking at every minute thinking, oh, my God, I'm dying here. So my, my last year in the peg, I, I did a lot of those bag skates. So I, I definitely have a, have a good feeling for – how long you're going to be on, and when the Zamboni guy is going to save your ass. You mentioned uh, Yuri Hudlow. We, we've heard he's quite a character. What kind of shenanigans was he up to with, with your one year with him in Calgary? Yeah, Hoods was, uh, you know what, he's one of those guys that loves to be center of attention, but he's such a funny personality, and his give-a-shit meter is probably lower than anyone I ever played with. So uh, he literally played a game once where he took a stick out of uh, – it was it was Giordano's stick, so it was probably six inches too long for him. And he literally played a full game with it, and I think he had two assists. Like, just the guy, he just <laughs> did not care, but he was so skilled that he, he was good every night. First time I ever met him off the ice was at the Montreal Grand Prix. He came into some uh, place called Globe. It was like a supper club. I think he ordered two bottles of champagne and left, and then Teddy Purcell ended up having to pay the tab for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Just you know what? He loved the sh- he loved the champagne and he loved the flash. Uh, in New York, we we went out in New York, and I think every place we went, he'd go uh, three three of your best bottles of champagne. I'm like, hoods, like our crew is five deep. We can't finish this at every place. He's like, oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And he would pick up the tab. Yeah, he liked to spend it, man. I think he spent one one time we were in L.A. We were there for two days. I think he spent twenty five grand in two days there. I'm pretty sure I'm right with that number too. <laughs> on on what like Louis Vuitton and all that kind of shit, or just straight bottles? He liked the bottles. He liked the Louis. He uh, I, I think he stayed in a different hotel too by himself, so he could be closer to the action. Are you looking for relief, relaxation, or to party on the motherfucking moon? Then check out Three Cheese new True Strains lineup of cannabis vapes and gummies tailored for specific effects. And the best part? It's delivered straight to your door. Visit 3Chi.com. That's 3Chi.com. And for a limited time, get 20% off with the code BARSTOOL20. TJ, your last NHL season was with Winnipeg in uh, 14-15. Then you ended up in Sweden. How did that transpire? Was there a better offer over there? Were you looking for a change of pace? Did the NHL have enough? What what, what went on there that you ended up in Sweden? Yeah, my last year in the PEG, I really didn't play much. I just kind of was a bit of a a jester, as Biz (laughs) calls it. But uh, I was kind of sick of the game, to be honest, uh, at the end of that year. And uh, some people said, you know what, go to Sweden. It's a good spot. You'll have fun there, which uh, I don't know if that was entirely true. That league is insane how hard guys work. And you are in Sweden and there'll be some good – holy shit, in practice too. You know, these guys are trying to kill you, kill you in practice and just a ridiculous league. I would You couldn't pay me a zillion dollars to play there. But, uh, yeah, that's kind of why I went there and – uh, ended up only staying half a year because I got a sports hernia and they said, yeah, if you want to, if you want to go back and rehab in Canada, you can go. So I was on the first plane out of there. Did, Malmo, is that the team that's pretty close to Copenhagen though? You ever go over there or am I thinking of the wrong city? 
No, you're right. That's the one. So there's a there's a little train that you can take across the bridge. It takes, I think, 15 minutes to get into Copenhagen. So we'd go there every now and then. I think we had our team party, our rookie party there, whatever they call it over there. So it was definitely a good city. After that, it was over to the KHL. Oh, Let's go, Russia. baby. We'll put you on the most oh, wanted boys. list in Russia, just like Wit. Yeah, this is the main event here. Talking about Russia, I, I've heard some of the stories from other guys on the on the pod here. So uh, I definitely have a handful. So uh, after that year in uh, in Sweden, I, I signed a PTO just like you guys in St. Louis. Uh, didn't didn't crack the squad. Uh, so we went back, we went back home, my wife and I, and just kind of hung out. I was kind of enjoying doing nothing for a while. And then eventually I said, all right, I gotta, I gotta play this year. And after Christmas, I ended up signing, I ended up signing with, uh, Zagreb in the KHL for a month, just, just kind of to get my feet wet into the league. And then I knew I was going to leave after that. So I had a bunch of options where to go. And one of the teams was called Nizhnikom's Nestikhimik. So a place no one had ever heard of and a top three shithole in the KHL, but um, they, they were paying more than anyone else and crazy bonuses for every win and, and points and all this. So I said, ah, you know what? There's two months left in the year. How bad can it be? Uh, sent the wife home, went by myself there. And uh, I think it was, it was probably the biggest shithole uh, in the world that I've ever been to for sure. Hands down. So everything, Wit, as you know, everything is all in Russian in the room. Coach comes in for his pregame talk, Russian. Any practice stuff, Russian. So you just are kind of a zombie. Uh, anyways, our team, we were, we were decent. We were kind of fighting for playoffs. And every single game that we won, every guy got three grand U.S., including all the players that played, uh, the massage guys, the coaches, all the staff so it was a weird setup so if the team won it was everyone was on cloud nine and if the team lost everyone was pissed off and depressed but funny thing funny story our owner who is this uh he owned this the biggest petrochemical factory in in russia he showed up a couple times and he'd be you know typical russian guy be wearing all black he'd had he had his uh his big bodyguards with him he'd come in right before the good boys go on the ice speak a bunch of russian guys are all fired up so i'd ask one of the guys hey what do you say and uh the guy would be like oh yeah instead of three grand today it's 15 grand a guy if we win so playing uh scott yeah no they that, that that's a guaranteed loss when you were playing those guys, but uh, they'd always get fired up for the uh, those regional rivalries. So when we'd play Ufa, they'd always get fired up and get the wallet going. But uh, the the money was good there. But the crazy thing that happened to me was uh, we we played a game. <clears throat> I I got hit from behind a little and jammed up my wrist and ended up getting an MRI. They said, oh, it's not broken, but uh, you, you should probably take seven days off where you can't stick handle. And this is all through a translator, of course, or Google Translate. So I get to the rink the next day, and it's a game day, and I just expect to do a workout or something and wait and see what happens, see if the wrist gets better for, for the next week or so. But, no, of course, the uh, our, our goalie coach comes up to me. He was the only other guy that spoke English other than our head coach and says, hey, uh, Nazi wants to see you. Our coach was Andre Nazarov, who was a fighter in the NHL for a long time. 
RA, you probably know that guy. Yeah, he did a stint in Boston. I remember Naz well. Yeah, so Naz. so I go Naz, into his office. Like with him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I go into his office and he goes, Yeah, what happened with your wrist? And I told him the story and he goes, Oh, is it broken? So I said, no, it's not broken. He goes, okay, well, we'll give you a needle so you can play. So I'm like, all right, well, we're playing a shitty team. Why not? We'll see. Can't be that bad. So I go in. The, the trainer guy pulls my pants down, gives me a shot in my butt cheek. So play the game. Goes all right. Later that night, I got extremely sick, you know, thrown up, everything. So I'm like, oh, what the hell is going on? whatever, a couple of the next day I get about a hundred IVs in the rink. And then the day after that, I go back, we got another game. I play the game, <clears throat> didn't get hit, nothing, barely got touched in the game. And after the game, I could barely walk, but, and my hip was just killing me. And I was thinking, okay, I didn't get hit, didn't fall, nothing weird happened. Something's going on here. Fast forward a bit. I, uh, I ended up going, getting an MRI again. They get the results back. Our team doctor goes, oh, it's nothing. You're fine. You can play. By this point, I could barely walk. So I called my agent and said, hey, something's really wrong here with my hip. Um, you got you to gotta talk to the GM here and figure out what's going to happen because this town I was in, the, the hospitals were like a 1940s, ridiculous, just a disaster. It looked I'm like not a psych ward. There. Oh, it was disgusting. So... Anyways, the GM says, okay, here's your option. You can, you can stay and work with our doctors here, or you can go to Moscow and pay for yourself to go there. So, yeah, I was, I was gone that day to Moscow. Turns out I got all these tests done. Turns out I got an uh, infection in my hip, which came from the needle that they gave me in my butt. Fuck. Was so, it a staph, a staph infection? I, uh, I'm sorry. It wasn't a staph infection. It was some really weird infection that can only be transmitted through a needle. So <laughs> I, I had to get on some hardcore antibiotics and uh, had a bit of a dispute with the team over my last paycheck. But uh, I had to show up at the rink every My agent just said, hey, show up at the rink every day. Make sure you show your face and you'll get paid. So I did that for a month straight. Went home at the end of the year, got my last paycheck. Fuck. And then I see you finished off in Riga, Latvia. What a city. Oh, yeah. That, that was a good spot. We, we just had the worst team ever, though. We, uh, the, just the Latvian guys, they can't really compete with the Russians. It's just such a small country. And uh, we, we had some fun, too, though. It was a good team. But uh, just it, I could tell by the end of it, I, I think we lost 11 in a row and just decided, you know what, it's time to pack it in here. And since then, I'm, I'm pretty happy to, to not have to put the skates on anymore. I would imagine you're with your wife uh, at that time, but uh, I traveled there to play an exhibition game when we were playing the World Premier Games. We played the, the Riga team. I think San, Sandus Ojalinch is from there and played, played for the team. Or, or, yeah, Ozo was our coach. Oh, well, there you go. But, uh, but there were so many smoke shows in the crowd. Like Some of the most beautiful women in the world come from there. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I think the best two I've ever been to are Latvia and Croatia, hands down. Yeah, yeah, those are both sick. So, dude, you you just realized it was time. Was it was it a hard decision when when you when you hung them up, or how did that that kind of go for you? 
No, it wasn't that hard, actually. I think by that point, especially with the whole shit show in Russia, I said, yeah. you know what, it's it's time to do something new here. And uh, I'm not the guy who's going to be grinding it out for, you know, five, ten more years and all these obscure leagues over in Europe and Asia and wherever else they have them nowadays. So I was ready to do something new and flex some different muscles, try to get the brain going. And the timing worked out really well with uh, with us starting this company and things are going well on that front. So it's, it's been a great transition. One big topic we forgot to mention going back to Russia uh, on a scale of one to 10, how good is the Russian gas? The Russian gas is, is awesome. Actually. I, I, <laughs> one thing I did while I was there is I said, I want to get everything, you know, all these crazy oh, yeah. needles that they get before the games. I'm like, you know, just fill me up boys, whatever it is. So I was, uh, I was getting the IVs, the, you know, right before the game in the hotel the night before the game. And I think it's all just bullshit, but the gas, you know, when you were, when you were stressed out or something, you could just go to the team Baza, get the gas going and just lay back and feel great. Fuck, that's unbelievable. One thing we did glance over was the fact that uh, usually at the end of the seasons in San Jose, uh, Jumbo Joe would organize a trip to Vegas with the boys. And, and do you have any funny stories about Jumbo in Vegas? Yeah, yeah. So that was one of the greatest things. You know, you lose at the end of the year and you're you're pretty pissed off and sad. And then, you know, the next, that following weekend, whenever that is, you're getting on a plane with Jumbo and the boys and going to Vegas to kind of drown your sorrows. So uh, Jumbo would always get the PJ fired up for a handful of guys. We'd get on there, fly down to Vegas and, and light it up on the weekend. But my first year there, uh, we get there and, and Jumbo's wife, uh, Tabea, was pregnant with, with their first kid. So he, she was due, I think, that weekend. And he's like, no, 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 I'm going with the boys. I got to go. So we get on the plane. We land. Jumbo never wants to, never really wants to be alone. Like, he always wants to be around the boys. So he goes, Gally, come, come down to the tables with me. And I, I don't gamble, but I'm happy to watch. So we get down there, and this guy's just going crazy. Like, uh, just I don't even know how much he was doing a hand, but let's just say he was down quite a bit. And his phone rings, and it's, it's today, and she says – yeah, it's time. So he goes, all right, boys, that's it. Gets right back in the limo, right back to the to the airport, right on his PJ, flew home. <laughs> so he, he was only there for probably two hours, lost, I'd say, six figures plus, and was on the plane and <laughs> and then had the baby. And he's just one of those guys that uh, he's even keel no matter what. So uh, the next year, something funny too. So all the boys were out on the, on that first Friday night. It's, you know, pedal down. We're going hard. Jumbo had a good day on the tables before we went out. So the bill comes, I think it was, I think it was 28 grand or something. And he goes, all right, boys, this is on me. Pulls out a, a huge wad of cash, pays it in cash, which is, you know, he's a generous guy too. Like he, he loved picking up the tab for the boys. So I think it was fast forward a week later, he calls me, he goes, Gally, you won't believe what happened. And uh, I'm like, oh, what happened? He goes, well, remember, remember the night when I when I paid with the cash, right? And I go, yeah. He goes, well, I looked, I looked today at my credit card statement. They ding me up for the 28 grand on my card as well. Oh fuck! Wow. So, so the so whoever the uh, bottle girl was, she just took his 28 and and then charges his credit Get card the later fuck that out night of here. too. But. 
did he clear the air? He's got a lot of clout in that city. I know when I rolled through a few times and he was there, like he's wheeling around with some big boys. They probably reimbursed him back that 28K. Well, that's what I said. I'm like, call him up. And he goes, ah, you know, you're up, you're down, Galley. You're up, you're down, buddy. <laughs> Jesus, got fucking Just, robbed by some waitress. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and one more, one more of those Vegas stories. So that first year, um, uh, this is a good guy too, Marty Havlat, to bring up. Uh, uh, he didn't have a great run in San Jose, but just an unbelievable player and, and an unbelievable guy. I got to spend a lot of time with him there. And I, I was telling him all leading up to the trip, I'm like, hey, Marty, you and I are going to be roommates for sure, which, you know, you'd never have a roommate out there, but I was just screwing around with him. So we get to Biz's second home, the Cosmo. And uh, I, I, whoever the host was, I said, hey, man, you got to get me a room that's uh, a joint to another room here. And, and put Marty in that room. So I got there before him and he set me up in this room that had a huge, like not just the door between the rooms, but almost like a sliding door, like a big space. So, so I get set up in there and I'm just waiting for Marty to show up. He shows up in the room and right as he gets there, I had the tunes cranked in my room and I just was geared down just to screw with him and had the door open. And he was, he was dying because we were going to be roommates on that trip. <laughs> unreal yeah those are those are the connector suites and they got like the wraparound balconies they got the kitchen in them they were originally supposed to be apartments oh wow yeah no that's the place we had some good times there for sure especially with uh with daddy demers well, always a good time with him oh he's a blast um this is from an anonymous anonymous texter I, i'm not going to give his <laughs> uh his name out um, when he was single, never seen a guy build a fence like G. <laughs> uh, man, that could be, that could probably be any guy I ever played with sending you that text. So, wow. Were you uh, one of those guys yeah. you like to build fences around the ladies? Uh, oh. I mean, I don't want to go into it too much, but, uh, yeah, let's, let's say I wasn't afraid to, uh, to bust out the, the old, uh, the fence materials. Cock block material. For those of you who don't, yeah. don't know what build a fence means, it just means like when there's a girl there and there's a, a bunch of the boys attracted to her around, you build a fence. That way you're the only one talking uh, or create the separation. Bit, bit of a vet move if she's worth it. And hopefully that's how you lock down the old lady. <laughs> yeah, the old lady was a different story. I played, uh, I played at Dartmouth with her brother. So that's when we first met. Yeah, that, that's great. I mean, he must trust you if he knew you in college and still let you marry his sister. Oh, yeah, we're still close. There we go. Well, that's uh, pretty much all we got for you, buddy, unless you got any funny ones to wrap it up. Oh, man. I, I think that's pretty good. Uh, I wish I could <laughs> give you some good Yipper stories, too, but uh, I'm going to let him off the hook on this one. I'm probably going to see him in Boston next week, so uh, we'll, I'll, I'll let him know that he dodged the bullet on this one. All right, yeah. We'll have to, we'll, we'll have to reciprocate if, if anything happens in Boston and get him on and tell some stories about you. All, all right, buddy. Well, thanks for coming Thank on, much. buddy. Listen up, guys. We've all accomplished things we never thought we could. Running your first 5K on no sleep, learning a new language you'll never use, and winning that college basketball bracket challenge, even if it was auto-picked. So why not add cutting your own hair to the list? Wall makes hair clippers that keep you looking your best. And hey, if a winning bracket just isn't in the cards for you this year, at least you'll have a winning look. Get your Wall hair clippers at wallusa.com. Wall, you got this.
Hey, once again, a big thanks to TJ Galliotti for stopping by. Enjoy chat with him. We love talking to all the old veterans who don't have to worry about what they say anymore. Hey, boy, since the Cup was actually a busy few days in the wake of Game 7, we had trades, sign-ins, buyouts, so let's jump right into that. Uh, the LA Kings decided to buy out the contract of 34-year-old defenseman Dion Phaneuf. You don't buy me out, kid. I buy you out. I'm Mo Green. Uh, the Kings are looking to get younger and faster, so trading him really wasn't an option. The team could use the cap space. He had two years left on the seven-year, $49 million deal he signed with Toronto back in December of 2013. Of course, he was later traded to Ottawa, and because Ottawa retained some of his salary when they traded, since Elma, traded him to L.A., they're also on the hook for the buyout. Uh, I don't know if you want me to bore you with the numbers, but Biz, what's your take on, the, uh, on this whole thing, the whole buyout here? Yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, in today's NHL, when, when you're a guy making a lot of money and, and you're, you're not earning that, when, it, when the separation becomes so big, you're, you're more than likely going to get bought out. I actually texted him today, and just uh, this is what I said. I said, hey, bud, just texting to wish you well. Hope you land a new spot. Because I, I, I love Dion. He's a great guy. Um, I'll, I'll mention his, his charity right after this. But uh, he, he was just like, thanks, man. I appreciate it. He goes, you know, things happen for a reason. He's like, one thing about Dion is, is when he used to get interviewed and, and questioned in Toronto, whenever it was involving the team, he would always like, you know, back the guys up and say, you know, we got to be better. And it always took a lot of the heat in Toronto for those guys because he was being overpaid a little bit. He was the captain during their dark days. And whenever it was him getting ripped in the media, which at the time it really was, it was like water off a duck's back. He took a lot of abuse there. So I was happy he got his money. He's a way better teammate and guy than, than people probably give him credit for. And just as like positive outlook on that, I was just kind of like fucking rights, man. And, and, and people are going to once again say, well, yeah, he's fucking got a, you know, 50 to 75 sheets in the bank. Of course he's like, whatever. But you know, this guy's, this guy came in the league with the Calgary flames. And I mean, he was like one of the best young defensemen. I think he had 20 goals in his rookie season. I think he might have even been up for the Calder. So all of a sudden, you know, like slowly you decline. And, and, you know, this guy still loves the game and wants to play. It's just maybe his body can't do it like he used to. So, you know, it's a, it's, it's a, a bit of a hit to the ego. And, 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 and I feel bad for the guy. But I hope he does land on his feet and, uh, and, and sending positive vibes. One other thing is I, we're, we're going out east. Um, I said, hey, maybe we'll we'll catch you around there. And he's he's uh, he's got a, he does something for the Special Olympics. He throws this big charity event, and I'm like, oh, that's awesome. I said, oh, thanks for the invite. Like, of course, you wouldn't want to be the the second most famous guy at your own charity event. Kind of joked with him, and he goes, I am the second. He goes, I bring my wife because I because I could forgot right because he's a movie star. So so he kind of shot back at me. Good to see he hasn't lost his, uh, his sense of humor and personality. And uh, Dion, if you hear about this, I love you, buddy, and uh, and hopefully everything works out for you. Well, and even if he doesn't end up getting another contract, what a career he's had. And I remember that his rookie year, I was a rookie as well. The the Calder voting ended up going Ovechkin, Crosby, Phaneuf, I, I believe. And there was a night in Pittsburgh. We played Calgary. It was Hockey Night in Canada. You know, Crosby, Phaneuf, two, two star rookies going at it. And I remember thinking, this guy, I cannot believe I'm a rookie and he's younger than me. Like the level of play he was at. He could skate. He hammered guys. He was tough. He was a prick to play against. His one-timer was a joke. So a couple years there where he was a dominant force. I remember people were really surprised he didn't make you know the Canadian Olympic team in, I believe, 2010. 
if not 2006. Either way, great player. Um, and it just it, 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 time time kind of comes for everyone, dude. You know, he's, he's he's getting a little bit older. His feet aren't as quick, but still, it's been a great career. Well, the Kings they're going to save uh, a little over four million against the cap next season, and additional uh, one and a half million against the cap the following season. Uh, and per cap friendly, for enough, he has 78 and a half million in career earnings. Uh, he certainly made his money. Uh, so, you know, I got to think he's probably going to maybe latch on with a contender and possibly a lower peer depth role if, if someone could use him. I mean, you know, you can never have too much veteran depth come playoff time. I know, like you said, Biz, he's, he's gotten old. The game's gotten faster. But, you know, I mean, he was on a bad team last year. So perhaps in a new environment, new situation, he might have a little left, a little left in the tank. Yeah. I, to, to me personally, he's, a, he's an NHL six now. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a good complement to your back pair, can kill penalties, you know, probably pay 15 minutes a night. And uh, kind of in a, a similar, similar situation as like what like a Luke Shen would be. Now, Luke, you know, Luke Shen kind of went through the, a, a very similar time, maybe he didn't make as much money, but he ended up getting traded to a good situation for him in Vancouver at the end of last year, and they might even re-sign him. And, and he fit in well there. He's, he's kind of like that, uh, the Goudis type, where he's a big body. He's always going to play physical. He'll kill penalties. He'll block shots. And you, you need one guy like that. You need your sixth defenseman. He was, uh, he was just, I mean, Dion got bought out because he was making too much fucking money. He's a million-dollar defenseman now. Yeah, and, you know, like he's, he never won a cup, so you got to think that might be his priority. And, and quickly, uh, his first three years, 20 goals, 17 goals, 17 goals. And this guy was putting up close to 100 minutes. In his third year, he had 182 penalty minutes. He was, he was fighting guy. He was like the fucking the defenseman. If yeah. you wanted to build a defenseman on, uh, on the video game, you'd, you would have built him. Definitely. Uh, like I said, we also had some trades, too. And the Pittsburgh Penguins traded defenseman Ole Mata to the Chicago Blackhawks for forward Dominic Cahoon in a fifth rounder in the 2019 draft. The 24-year-old Mata had spent his entire six-year career with the Penguins. He won two cups there. He still has three more years remaining and a six-year $24.5 million deal. It's a cap hit of just over four mil. You know, more of a defensive D-man. He really should help the ha- should, should help the Hawks clean up their own end. Uh, and despite being a health bomb for the last three playoff games in the spring, he still brings a wealth of big game experience. And he's still only 24 years old. What, what's your take on this one? Um, I think Chicago's trying to shore up a defensive side of the puck. The only thing I'll say is he's not he's not the fleetest of foot. I mean, he's just not a great skater. So even though he is young, that isn't a strength where now if he, I feel like every great player can just motor. Um, I will say there's there's times that, that he makes great plays with the, with the puck. He makes good decisions. He makes them quick. He's snapping breakout passes. And then there's times he holds on to it a little bit too long. He became the whipping boy in Pittsburgh. You know, it was it was it was Whitney part two. He was probably mm-hmm. probably better, but still taking a lot of heat. Not overly physical. Can can turn the puck over. I've seen it all before. I've lived it. But you, like you said, being young, there, there is there is an ability to maybe get a coach that can kind of help him uh, to play to his strengths a little bit better than he had had in Pittsburgh. Uh, we'll see what types of minute he get, minutes he gets, but either way, you could see it at some point in time. Uh, you need to switch organizations, try to get a new start, and that's where he's at now. Um, initial thoughts: I just really don't like the trade for Chicago. I think that he's overpaid for what he does. He makes four million dollars. I think that other kid is. Uh, how do you pronounce his last name? I think it's Cahoon. That's Cahoon. What I yeah, said. We'll I mean he's still fairly young and 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 putting up decent numbers. Now, I would imagine that he becomes um, Pittsburgh's third line center. 
right? So he's proven that he can he can put up some numbers at the NHL level. He did last year, decent numbers anyway. And now all of a sudden you're getting better line matches because you're behind Crosby and, and Evgeny Malkin. So that make may make his life a lot easier. And, you know, of course, Pittsburgh's got a decent team. Not saying Chicago doesn't have a good offensive team. But Mata goes over there where, I mean, his numbers don't pop out at you. He's never really he's never really like progressed. Last year, if anything, he regressed. He went through an injury. He only ended up playing sixty games. One goal, thirteen assists. I mean, like, what is he? Is is he a second unit power play guy? Is he is he is he really good defensively? Is he? Like, no, what does he do? Okay. Is he just because to me he's getting overpaid and he's essentially a, a five or six. Where it's just like, and, and then you're giving up on a young prospect who's going to just create more depth up, up the middle for Pittsburgh. I just really don't understand it. Now, if if they see something we don't, where Mata's going to go there and all of a sudden bump it up a few notches and and, and you know play with Colton where maybe things aren't as less, uh, or things are less um, chaotic. Like I feel like Sullivan would be the type of coach where you're going to feel that pressure where Colton's a lot more uh, relaxed, kind of like how Debrinket described. So maybe that'll be good for his game. Maybe the way to how they play run, run and gun will be good for, for his game. But initial thoughts, don't like it at all. Uh, Cahoon, he's 23. He's got some speed, some skill. He's got one more year left, one more year left on his entry-level deal that carries a $925,000 cap hit. Uh, who knows, man? He could be one of these guys that the Penguins pick up as and he just has chemistry with Sid, man. It seems for the you know the whole time Sid's been in Pittsburgh, what twelve, thirteen years now. He has a rotating cast of wingers that have come and gone, and I don't know. This kid has some versatility up and down the lineup, and wouldn't surprise me if he gets some chemistry with him at some point. Now, saying that it has him listed as a centerman, I don't know if that's necessarily their plan. I don't watch Chicago enough to know that, so maybe he is going to go play the wing. But either way, he has a little depth up the middle, which they couldn't get with Brassard. And who was there in, in playoffs? Somebody else came in as third line center. For, yeah, yeah, and he was a little – if that was their third line center, he was just a little bit quiet. He had a decent end to the season with him. McCann was a little bit better when he came over from Florida. But um, I don't know. Right now I'd say win for Pittsburgh, and they get rid of Mata's deal. Yeah, they shed salary, grab a pick, and pick up a guy who could be a pleasant surprise. So we'll see what happens. Uh, next up, we, uh, we also had a very rare intra-division trade of defensemen between old Patrick division rivals, Washington and Philly. On Friday, the Flyers sent Radko Gudis to D.C. in exchange for Matt Niskanen. It was the first ever trade involving two full-time NHL players between the Caps and Flyers since the Caps entered the league in 1974. Pretty crazy. Yeah. It's the 13th season for the 32-year-old Niskanen. He's got two more, year, two more years left on his deal. It was a seven-year, $40 million deal he signed back in July of 2014. Has a $5.75 million cap hit. 29-year-old Gudis plays a hard physical game. He's in the last year of a four-year, $13.4 million deal he signed. That's got a cap hit of $3.35 million. This is just, I don't know, swap a defenseman, the real one-for-one deal. We don't see it too much anymore. Biz, what's your take on this one, brother? Um, God, I, I really like the trade for Philly. I love like, it for Philly, too. I, I love it for Philly. My only issue is, is, is listen, I, I don't watch the Flyers a ton either. They're out east. Uh, my feeling is is maybe there's too much risk to reward for Gosses Bear, and maybe they're looking to move him where, where Niskanen's a little bit less risky and, and maybe a little Steady. bit better. Steadier. A little bit better defensively. Where Pro- Provorov, is that how you say it? Yep. yep. He's a stud. Okay. 
So now, now they, they would, if, if they got rid of, if they did get rid of Goss to spare, I like it even more because it would give them more room financially to do other things like maybe potentially sign Hayes. And, and what, what does Niskanen make actually? He makes quite a bit. 5.75, I think, for two more years. Which I, which I would imagine is kind of similar to what Goss Spare is making, cause I, I, unless he signed a bridge deal. But anyway, I can't see all of them coexisting and them having enough money to sign Hayes and, 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 you know, and then continue to build a winner. But I'll say this, if they can get, get kind of interesting with a move and get rid of the Goss Spare and, and bolster the offense a little bit more, I mean, Philly, I don't know what the odds are on with a cup, but I'd put some money on them right now if it's not great. I also, you know, you remember and think back to Travis Sanheim and how good he was for the Flyers last year, a young D-man who really just came on the scene and was awesome. So to get Niskin and over somebody who's won a cup, played a huge role on, you know, in winning the Stanley Cup. And also, I think mainly when the, when the Capitals traded and then signed Nick Jensen, it kind of became clear, all right, maybe Niskanen's going to be out of here. And, you know, they're, they're moving a little bit of salary. Uh, Gudis is also, I think, part of his salary still will be paid by the Flyers. So Washington's, you know, opening up some money there. And I think it is a good move for Philly because I think they win the trade in terms of who the better defender is. Gudis can play a rough style. He can PK. He's, you know, he's a prick. He, you know, he's got the questionable hits. You can always wonder if he's going to get suspended at some point during the year. Uh, but in terms of eating minutes and being that type of player, Niskin is perfect for the Flyers, exactly what they need. You, you, I wonder if you will see Goss' bear maybe be moved or at least be talked about getting traded at some point. And, and part of that deal apparently was so they could get the deal done with Haglin, which we can roll into right now. Yeah, actually, I had another note or two on Niskanen. Of course, he won the Cup last year. Sure. He's got 125 playoff games under him, under his belt, and he did talk to Philly's GM, and apparently they're going to pair him with one of their young defensive prospects to be a mentor to kind of show them the ropes, and he's really looking forward to it. He sounds like he's pretty excited to get the Philly. Uh, Philly. The Flyers are currently $12 million below the salary cap floor, not even the salary cap the floor. They still got to spend $12 million just to get to the floor. So taking on Niskanen's deal was, uh, as they say, really not, not a big deal. Yeah. Oh yeah, my God! Yeah. Really? Yep. They I would have thought that they had. They have. I mean, they got Giroux. They got Voracek. Uh, they Terrier's on a real good deal. Yeah. Okay. And so I, my bad. Konechny, so is on. It might be restricted. Or so it's more through. of an, a money thing for for Washington than anyone. And yeah, yes. I agree, buddy. If if they can lock up Hayes and maybe get one other big free agent, which if if they lock up Hayes before free agency hits because they have his rights, and now that they got Niskanen. It's going to entice other guys to sign there if they have the money to do so. So I'm telling you, in the next two years, I think this is the Flyers' window window to get it done. And, and if they don't, they're toast. And you and you finally say, oh, and they do have a goalie too, because before there's been so many years of a Flyers right. look great on paper. Well, they don't have a goalie. Well, they have a stud now who's just going to be in his second year in the league. Right, so you're right, Biz. They're they're well, they're going to have a window here. Well, and that's where they're saving money too, right? You're not paying a starter to. Mm-hmm. And what would he have? Two more years on entry level. Mm-hmm. There you go. There's your window right there. Because you're high. saving money on a number one goalie, kind of. <laughs> so Flyers, Flyers fans, I know it's been a long drought, and, and Mark Madden on Twitter just roast you guys every other day. So uh, good, good luck to you guys in the next couple of years. And what you are right, Philly is retaining 30% of Gudis' contract, which is about $1 million. And the Caps shaved $3.5 million off their payroll, and then they essentially added it back. Uh, they spent most of that money when they re-signed forward Kyle Hagelin to a four-year $11 million deal. They picked up the 30-year-old forward from the Kings prior to the deadline for a third rounder and a conditional sixth. Those conditions were never met, so they basically got him for a third rounder. 
He had 11 points in 20 games, but he really improved the Caps' penalty killing. He fit in so well, so he's, uh, he's going to stick around. Why don't you take on this one, Wits? A great move. The guys can play up and down the lineup. He's just shown that. Four mm-hmm. years, that's nice. That's nice for him. He, I wonder really if he nice. thought he might get 2-3, but another 4, that's- $11 million, I mean, he's laughing at that. That's when you got a cup in your bag. That's when you get yeah. that extra little yes. extra year on it. That extra year and that extra three, four million with that for that Stanley Cup experience. But he could skate. I said, all right, good call about the PK, how good he is there. Um, and just anytime a guy gets injured, if he is starting the year on your third and fourth line, you know you could throw him up there for ten game span, and that's so valuable to be able to have someone that can play up and down and play all over your lineup. So for for, for the Caps to be able to have a guy like that at short money. Um, and I'm sure it's a guy who everyone likes in the locker room. Everyone's, I've never heard a bad word spoken about him, so I think that that makes a, a huge difference in, in re-signing and making sure he's going to be there a while. You, you pretty much nailed it right on the head with your comment about the fact that I don't think he's a guy who can be sustained beyond, on the top two lines, but when given the opportunity, he can kind of fill in for five, ten games. and mandate it. Whereas, yeah, he's, he's, he's kind of the guy who can jump up and down the lineup. And I kind of said that about Perron for, for the way they – initially when he, was, he had his first two stints with uh, St. Louis, it was kind of like he had to be one of the guys where I felt like when he wasn't one of the main focuses, that's when he's at his best. And he came back there. And, I mean, his stats don't show it. He was that perfect guy for Las, uh, Las Vegas last year too. So when you can lock up guys like that on fair deals for a decent amount of time, those ones end up paying off. Hey, guys, real quick, I want to talk to you for, for a second about bird dogs. Bird dogs are gym shorts with a built-in, silky, soft inner liner that makes underwear obsolete. It is finally short season, which means it's bird dog season. It literally feels like I'm wearing nothing at all, like I'm walking around naked. Wear them in the water, they dry faster than a bathing suit. These things are so comfortable, man, you're going to love them. Go to birddogs.com, enter the promo code CHICKLETS, and they'll throw in a pair of nunchucks. <laughs> yeah, you heard that right, nunchucks. They'll give you an actual weapon along with your pair of bird dogs. That's birddogs.com, promo code CHICKLETS, and boom, a free pair of nunchucks with your pair of bird dogs. You will not take these things off, I promise you. Another signing we want to talk about, Jordan Eberle opted to stay on Long Island. He signed a five-year, $27.5 million deal with the Isles. It's a $5.5 million cap hit through 2024. The 29-year-old has averaged 23 goals per season over nine seasons since breaking into the league with Edmonton back in 2010-11. Eight playoff games this spring. He had four goals, five assists, pretty respectable showing. Uh, He cited his happiness with the team and the guys, and he said, quote, you need a place that you can feel comfortable in with your family as far as living, and then you need a place that supports your hockey team. Long Island has both. Which you know Webb's pretty well. Which uh, which I'd take on this one, my man? I, I was a little surprised, but I think that uh, looking more into it, um, the, the run they had last year and how much – you know, easier it was for him to be on a team that's winning. You know, there was a lot of years he was grinding. You know, he's in Edmonton, the team sucks, and he gets to go to a place where it was a hell of a year because they're winning. It's the whole atmosphere he enjoys. I know he loves the guys in the team. And somebody had tweeted me, like, oh, congrats, Everly. he's rich. I'm like, he was already really rich. Like, he's just adding to the richness now. I think his contracts have totaled around $60 million now, if I'm not mistaken. So thanks for coming, Eb. So I'll do, you'll do all right for, with that, won't you, buddy? Holy shit. So I, I, I understand him being there i was surprised frankie Borelli was all over me because i told him at one point during the year i didn't think there was a chance he'd resign there shows what i know 
but good for the Islanders to get a guy back who offensively struggled a little bit last year if you look at his career numbers. But I think when they finally put him with Barzell, it was a little bit better. So maybe all year they get to play together next season. Way more defensive structure, too. So you're going to be limited offensively as far as the risks big you can time. take. And, and, you know, Trotz is a big systems guy. Um, I, I, man, if you look at the Skinner deal and based on his numbers and what he got paid, compared to what Everly got. If you're an Islanders fan, you got to be very happy about that. And to me, the way the game's changed um, and, you know, how it's not as physical and, you know, he can, he can buzz around out there. He might deteriorate in the, in the third, or I would say maybe the fourth or fifth year of this deal, but you're not paying him a crazy amount. No. He's going to help out your power play where there's, they're a bit offensively challenged. And I, I think it's an incredible deal and a good job by Lou. And I'm happy for Ebbs too. Cause I mean, you know, there was a point in time there when, when he left Edmonton when everyone was just ragging on him, and he's, he's consistent with his offensive output. And, and as I mentioned, R.A., that, that, that makes that Skinner deal look – and I know he's a little bit, little bit younger, correct, Skinner? Yeah, yeah, I think two years younger, but it's interesting, Biz. I mean, Skinner's going to be making three and a half more million dollars a year, and he only averages over the course of their careers four more goals per season. I know he had 40 last year, but, you know, if we're doing averages, he averages Every- four more goals, so it's a lot of money. Everly could get 38 goals next year, and I wouldn't be surprised at all. Especially with the off year this year, it could really easily happen, and then you're looking at an enormous bargain. And, and, and another thing, too, is Barzell didn't have the best start last season, which was yeah, shocking right. that they were doing well and he wasn't playing well. The goaltending kind of carried him. He got his second year out of the way. I'd imagine that those numbers increase next year, and it's a great deal. Good point. And one last roster thing to get to here. On Saturday, the Flyers also placed defenseman Andy McDonald on unconditional waivers for the purpose of terminating his contract. Uh, GM Chuck Fletcher said it was a tough decision, but that it was strictly a cap issue, and he cited McDonald's professionalism and play. He had one year left on the six-year, $30 million daily sign with the Flyers back in April of 14, shortly after they acquired him from the Islanders. 32-year-old had nine assists in 47 games this season, and he's free to sign with any team when free agency comes. So wouldn't be surprised for him, again, to latch on with a team maybe looking for a little depth as well. Yeah, you could see that. I don't know if his NHL career has kind of come to an end, but a hell of a run and made a lot of money. Absolutely, absolutely. Boys, have you seen any of these TV ratings yet? Have you, have you been able to check up on them at all? I saw no. that they were insane. They almost – didn't they beat the record? Yeah. Uh, per NBC, the game averaged just shy of 9 million viewers, making it the most watched NHL game on record which is since 94, 1994, and that's when the Nielsen rate ratings came along. But I can't imagine there was a game before 1994 that more people watched. So, yeah, they call it the most watched game ever. It was 4% higher than Game 7 in uh, 2011. It peaked at uh, 10.4 million viewers, the most streamed game ever. And St. Louis had a 41.8 local rating, making it the highest-rated Blues game ever in the St. Louis market and the third-highest local market rating for an NHL game ever after – Boston in 2011 and Pittsburgh in 2009. And St. Louis delivered a 60 share, meaning that six in 10 households in the market were watching television, at the, at, were watching the game while televisions were on. Absolutely insane. Boston delivered a 30.2, pretty good number as well. Uh, the, the seven game, the whole cup final together, averaged just under five, five and a half million viewers, the most watched in four years and third most on record. Also 11% higher than the year before. And one thing to note, Ratings do not include all the people at bars, watch parties. If you have dozens of people over your house, and of course there were tens of thousands of people watching in stadiums and out in St. Louis. So they don't even include that. 
But I wanted to get to the top 10 markets for both Game 70 and the Stanley Cup Final. Obviously, St. Louis, Boston, Providence, of course. Buffalo always shows up. Pittsburgh always shows up. Do you know what team was number six? I'm sorry, what city was number six watching Stanley Cup Game 7? Wait, wait, wait. Let's see. So you uh, – did you mention Vegas? Buffalo? Yeah. No, no, no. I, I, the usual suspects were there. St. Louis, Boston, Buffalo, Pittsburgh. Yeah. This city, this city was the number six rated for uh, game seven, and they were also number eight for watching the whole cup final. It's Fort Myers, Florida, man. I knew you ain't going to get that. What? Fort Myers, Florida. Yeah, we got to get Oh, there's so many out. Boston mass holes that live down there. It, oh. Exactly. I don't know where St. Louis is. They're hiding right. away from their old drug and, and murder uh, charges. <laughs> well, who's the one guy? Whitey Bulger? Yeah, he yeah. was in Santa yeah. Monica. Have we talked about this? Apparently, he was at game seven when they, the Bruins beat Vancouver. Yeah, that's, yeah, that was legendary when that yeah. came out. When Someone's feds, like, "That's Whitey Bulger." Yeah, when the feds uh, were raided his place after they arrested him, they found. Well, him they tickets. watched him. They were like watching him when he went. Right? Yeah, probably wouldn't surprise me. Who who knows what fucking that was like his last meal. They're like, ah, like, we're gonna let you enjoy. The this. Roxy got a kill. <laughs> Take me away to prison. He got two. He like fucked her and then he killed her. Oh wait, it's like guys. It was a sick joke, but you know I was joking. Don't like. Let's not make yeah. a thing of this, please. Yeah, you don't have to apologize for joking about Whitey Buzz. He was kind of a sick okay. fuck. But wait, you did say Las Vegas, and you know last year we could say they had a team. You know, in the final, that's why they watched. Well, this year they didn't have a team, and then the final, and they were still one of the top ten viewers of uh, hockey playoffs this year. So. Shout out to Vegas. They have true puckheads out there. What's going on, Biz? Did we even ask Wit about his weekend? Did you really go into details? Because I've heard nothing but great feedback as far as you joining that four-play podcast, and it kind of makes me a little bit nervous. There's no, no, I'm not, going, I'm, not going, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. It was a blast, but I'll, I'll say it's, it's nice that we played, Biz, because we, we made friends and, and relationships because they do, they do a great job. Those guys have getting interviews, and they've had some big names. They've had Justin Thomas and DeChambeau, and they've had a bunch of huge names. But when you're at the tournament, I mean, they're trying to get guys, and they'll go up to some uh, to the agent, and the agent just hears Barstool is like, no, no, Ricky oh. Fowler, Ricky Fowler, no, Xander Shoffley, no, and they're just finishing up the round. And they're talking to all these. Are you kidding and me? It's like. I'm like, fuck, guys. This is a, it's kind of, it's a grind for them. I mean, they're doing, they're doing awesome. But I was like, it's, it's a lot easier and more fun when we're just kind of talking to our buddies and we know, you know, the hockey culture. But these golfers are such pussies. Some of them, they really are. I mean, they're so like, their, their brand is so important. And I understand they're making millions, right? So like, who, who am I to say? But what the fuck? I said to them, we were coming. Ricky Fowler like won't talk to them. He will not talk to them. So I said, but like, actually, will he stay off camera? Will he be like, guys, I just can't. No, I no, he just he, they don't even I, get to talk to him. Like the the agent gets in the middle, and I've actually heard Ricky Fowler's an awesome, an awesome yeah, guy. Yeah, I heard, I heard nothing but good things. Doesn't, nothing but good things. But the weird thing is that it's like, dude, you, you, every all the money you earn. Um, all right, I, I shouldn't say that. All the money Puma he earns, ain't leaving him if he does an interview with Barstool. Exactly, exactly. And buddy, you're the, you're this top ten golfer in the world. You're young. Like, what do you give a fuck if your agent's like, no, don't talk to Barstool. Like, just I, I, it's just like, just it's not that hard to just shoot the shit, talk about your round. I mean, you know, you're gonna get a bunch of, um, you know, a bunch of new fans because Stooley just, you know, these Stoolies, they're very, very, um loyal to like people who, who who i think are barstool fans and are a part of barstool so this kid matt matthew fitzpatrick who's a golfer from england he had a great tournament actually he's won on the 
I think he's won on the PGA Tour. He, uh, he came on. He was great. He was really funny because Frankie Borelli said that if there was one guy on tour he could, he, that he could beat up, it would be this kid because he's Oh, really- shit. He, had, he spiced it up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, so the kid came on. He was laughing. And I was like, that guy just probably made like a bunch of fans that just listened to the interview that was fun and laid back. And half these well, hey, golfers are like, oh, no, I can't do that. Well, think about this. And, and I mean, we kind of go by that motto now, too, is, is the lesser guys – they not, they're not making any money from these brands. They got to build their own. Jump on the podcast, tell a few funny stories, and now you get, what, you know, 50,000 or 100,000 Barstool fans who are now rooting for you, and they're going to yeah. your, follow you on Twitter. Like, this isn't rocket science. So I can understand why guys like Ricky and then even – I mean, but we're a players podcast and we played. So, I mean, we're, we're getting the big names too, baby. I know. Well, that's what helps is that we were out there. You know, we were in between the boards, biz. We were living the action. Yeah. Wait, isn't he engaged though? Isn't his girlfriend that uh, Allison Stokey? Smoke. Uh, yeah, whoever his girl was, she's a smoke. I saw yeah, her in the range. You know, well, I'm just wondering. I know she used to be on, you know, featured on Boston years and the years ago when she first kind of came on the scene. So I wonder if Ari that was the fucking. Smoke oh, maybe. Her. I wonder. I wonder if, if perchance she was offended by anything Boston did. And that's why he's not coming. I'm just speculating here why he might. But you know, yeah, know. she wasn't. Uh, she wasn't the smoke show of the day. Oh, so she was a smoke show month, year, fucking week, day, <laughs> hour, minute, everything. Yeah, so, I mean, Pebble Beach is, like, it's breathtaking. I mean, it's, like, I, I love that place. I had been there six, seven years ago on that big golf trip I go on, and I, I got to get back now to play it because it's just being there. Is, you just can't believe it. It's, I think it might be the most beautiful part of the country, too, the whole area of Carmel, uh, San Francisco, and then you're south to Pebble Beach and stuff. But it was incredible. It was a lot of fun. Perfect weather for golf, too. It was like 65, not, not much wind. Great, just a great job by the USGA and, and the access they gave. I mean, I was just inside the ropes. I mean, I'm just walking with groups five feet from them the whole time. So for me, I'm cranking into that for the next couple months. Took some good uh, ver- visual images, imagination station of Dustin Johnson just ripping a baby fade like four. I was taking a few of those at the pool today. <laughs> what, what were the for odds on the winner? What's what, up, bud? What were the out the the pre tournament odds? I didn't. Even, you know, I don't know. I bet you they were uh, thirty to one, if not more. I mean, the guy Gary Woodland. Congrats to him. What an awesome ending. He played nails, nails golf this this final round, and he actually had been zero for seven in his last um, seven times he held the fifty four hole lead. So you can imagine the demons you're kind of battling when you're sleeping on a lead Saturday night. And this time it was a major for him to get it done. So. A guy who played college basketball, I guess he's just a freak athlete, pounds the ball. So, oh, this guy won the tournament? Yeah, he took it down. What's and his I, name? Gary Woodland. He's from Kansas. And I guess, like, you can you, – I, I'm sensing from the broadcast people love him. Like, a, a guy – like, there's a great dude. So, there was a lot of players waiting there to give him hugs. And No way. Yeah, it was really cool. And, like, I, I saw a quote um, – I don't know. He, he, he had a great quote because, you know, he has one on tour and stuff, but he said, I've worked for this my whole life. I've trained since I started walking. I've played sports. I've competed. I've learned how to win. And he got it done. So that's just a crazy Fuck story. Right. It's life changed forever, winning a major, especially being the U.S. Open. Five straight U.S. Opens now Americans have won. So suck on that, the rest of the world. Oh, yeah. Now they're going to go selly like idiots when they're up 13 nothing. Uh, just kidding. Um, <laughs> okay, so I learn, you learn something new every day. So um, I go to a place car- called Carmel Cleaners. Really? And 
so I, I, I walk, I, I, you know, I was going there and sometimes the, well, the first time I noticed this was when there's people ahead of me. So I was waiting, I looked at the wall and there's all these beautiful pictures of like the beach and the ocean. And I'm like, so when it's my turn, I'm like, what's with all these pictures here? And she's like, Oh, it's like Carmel. And I'm like, okay, like Carmel, like, what does that have to do? Yeah, with it's me? in a Milky way. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And, and then she explained, but I also didn't know that that's where Pebble beach was. I just thought, Oh, this beautiful place in California that everyone loves called Carmel. All right. That's kind of random. I've never even heard of it. So yeah, you're saying like, that's where Pebble beach is. Well, it's like Monterey peninsula. I think it's pretty much all the same area. Carmel is like 10 or 15 minutes. It looked like paradise. Like, Sick, dude. Beautiful. And, and the, if, not, if not like Long Island, Hampton's probably the best golf in the country, right? In, in, in a five mile radius, you know, 10 mile radius. In, insane golf. Clint Eastwood Carmel. used to be the mayor of Carmel years ago. I think he's still like, he's part oh. owner of Pebble or lives on Pebble or something. He's all around there, that guy. Clint Eastwood's a Biz. boss. That's what girl, your girl says, Biz. Go ahead, make my day. <laughs> um that house though dude if we ever i mean they this house was a joke we had and every night there was dinner brought in like a what is it called when they a catered 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 food it was buffet every night fabulous it's very impressive how come we don't get treated like that when we go in uh, well i was like i'm done catching heat for staying in a five-class hotel in chicago when i'm looking to cover the goddamn winter classic and be away from my friends and family on new year's eve i'm going to travel in style and luxury and class and i take shit for it well this mansion was about 30 million dollars and must have cost 50 g's to rent hey and you know what's even crazier is they only reversed me for 50 percent of my ticket that i got to the game too no which is like fuck like come on man i'm I'm the we're the hockey podcast here this is work i got a in-game analysis live and live in the flesh and then record it after so getting a story about bowmeister's brother there you go that's from that night yeah i let him puke on me all right guys um that's pretty much good because i'm uh i'm 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 exhausted i didn't have much at the end there last thing we didn't mention as far as rumors are concerned uh apparently truba and nyc rangers People are talking about giving this guy like like I think seven point five million. That's like the number that they're looking for now. That would make him in the top ten highest paid defenseman in the league. Now, listen, I think he's a hell of a fucking defenseman, but what the fuck have you done for me where you're getting paid as yeah. one of the top ten defensemen in the league? Like, come on here. I don't know. I'm, I, I I think that's a if he can elevate his game a little bit, sure. But I don't, I don't like that contract if he's getting a, a seven- or eight-year deal at seven and a half. Like, I, I'm not seeing enough offensive numbers for what else he brings. Would you, would you agree? Yeah, it seems like a lot of money. We'll see where that ends up. But uh, that, should, that should wrap this one on Wednesday night. We'll be talking, um, recording after the awards, so we'll get to talk about who, who the winners were and all that. Biz will be there filling us all in. And Grinelli, fuck, stay hot, buddy. Jesus Christ, have a day for yourself. Thanks, boys. All right. If you don't get if you don't get chlamydia, that's like the ultimate perfect weekend. When and when if you, do, if you do whatever, you fucking hey, take his knee pack and you're fucking on the IR for four days. One last note, Biz. As for the entire playoffs, they were the highest rated in 23 years and up six percent from last year. So everybody, keep watching hockey. We'll keep branching out. We keep getting more fans and growing this great game of ours. So everybody, have a good week, and we'll be back later in it. Last thing is we're done talking about the Cup and in and, and St. Louis and Boston because you guys have dealt with that a lot recently. We're going to start giving some other teams some attention. So congratulations to St. Louis as well as Boston for making us that far. Other teams. There's other teams in the league. Oh, yeah. Hey. Fuck it. Fucking rights. Fucking rights, man. Viva Las Vegas. Viva Las Vegas. Viva Las Vegas. Viva Las Vegas.
That there were more than 24 hours in the day Even if there were 40 more I wouldn't sleep a minute away Oh, there's blackjack and poker and the roulette wheel A fortune won and lost on every deal